This is Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. Here's Johnny. Oh, wait, what do you want? You want? Hey, motherfucker. You never go ask them out. Now what is so damn funny? And here we go. We will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. Force will be with you. Always. But the truth! You can't handle the truth! Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the For Real Movie Club. I am your host, Chris the Dace Man Dace, and joining me this evening from Denver, New Jersey, and the CEO and founder of Fanboys Anonymous, Tony Mango. Woo! Applause. Also joining us from Denver, New Jersey, Sam Lassio. Mild chanter. <laughs> and a name that I consistently screw up, Eddie Sakira. No, that was good. Yes! And you didn't even know where I'm from. Uh, Brazil? Yeah, but be specific. Yeah, well, no, I, I'm, that, I'm not that good. Wait, did you say uh, Eddie Shakira? <laughs> no, I didn't do. I didn't get that bad. I'm going to guess Brazil. <laughs> no, no, you got, it, you got it right. You got it right. If you're Brazil's anywhere sweet. near Rio de Janeiro, then that works. <laughs> Brazil's kind of uh, Yeah, I'm as near to Rio as you guys are to, like, Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> You're from Wakanda, aren't you? <laughs> Speaking of Wakanda, we're going to be doing Phase 1 movies today on the 4 Real Movie Club. And we're going to kick off with the first of the Phase 1 franchise that didn't even realize it was going to be in Phase 1, Iron Man. Let's start with you, Tony. What were your initial thoughts on 2008's film, Iron Man? Iron Man is awesome. Uh, he is not an A-list star back when they made the movie. But he was always a character that I thought was really interesting, and as somebody who doesn't follow the comics in general, I didn't know too, too much about the backstory of Iron Man, and I started to get a little bit more into it after seeing this. Now, of course, I can name, you know, who the Ghost is, and Spymaster, and Madame Mask, and all that other kind of crap, but um, if they would have done anything other than as good as this movie was, the MCU wouldn't exist. Awesome movie. Eddie, what were your thoughts on the Iron Man film in 2008? I was really surprised because um, back when the first, you know, um, credible superhero movie came out in 2002, that was Spider-Man. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So technology is helping out. You know, people are getting um, more interested in these uh, hero movies because they're getting better writers and stuff. But when Iron Man came out, I was like, whoa, dude. I was like, I, I never give a crap about the comics. I mean, I did, of course, when I was a kid, but I just kind of ignored it for a long, long time. And then one day I just saw it for some reason. I I, I was never going to watch this movie, and then I did. And then I thought it was hilarious in a good way because I thought Robert Downey Jr. just nailed the role. Um, and I liked it. So far, it's probably my favorite movie of the Marvel Universe. Sam, what were your initial thoughts on Iron Man? Well, my initial thought was, God, I really hope I'm not late for prom after seeing this movie. But then afterward, once I actually was in there watching it, I was like, wow, there's a superhero and he's an asshole, but I'm actually loving the movie. Like every other superhero up to this point was either like Spider-Man where it's like, wow, I have a lot of problems, but I need to be the hero. Or you had ones like Daredevil where this is my mission. I got to do it. Or the X-Men, where it's like, this is my mission, I gotta do it. 
Then you get Robert Downey Jr. who just has a problem, so he throws money at it and then goes and scores like the Maxim cover models. So like this was a very different kind of movie for its time. And like Tony had said, if they hadn't nailed it, the MCU probably would have died. Sam, we'll stick with you. Uh, one thing we talk about here on the Four Real Movie Club is casting. Uh, there are two faces that will return further into the franchise that we'll speak later on in the show and eventually next month on the Four Real Movie Club, as in Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark slash Iron Man and Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts, not to mention Terrence Howard taking a one-time stab at Brody and Jeff Bridges as the main antagonist being Stain. That's Brody? That's Brody. He, was in, he was in Clerks? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, Sam, what, do you, what are your thoughts on casting? Uh, well, considering I was born in 1990, when I heard Robert Downey Jr. was Iron Man, I was like, who's that? And then I had to look at him and be like, oh, so he was like a star in the 80s and some of the 90s where I wasn't like crapping myself. So I was like, okay, Robert Downey Jr., sure. Dug a little deeper, found he had a little bit of a drug past. I was like, uh, okay, this will probably just be whatever. And now I'm sitting here wondering, wow, who else could they possibly have found to be Tony Stark? Like he's just – Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. are now literally the same person. Like it's almost – they're interchangeable. So you, we almost can't imagine a world where Robert Downey Jr. is not Iron Man. As far as Gwyneth Paltrow, before 2008's Iron Man, I kind of just seen her like sporadically here and there. She was never the focal point in movies I was watching saw her in like a romantic comedy or two she did fantastic like i had no expectations good or bad for her going into it but i thought she was great for the role um are we doing terrence howard now or we're just doing the first two uh you you can do terrence howard and uh, jeff bridges as well all right terrence howard man like okay just watching it for the first time is like wow he's, he's pretty good as roadie like i can see how this is his military best friend kind of a thing but he's definitely no Don Cheadle. <laughs> in retrospect, it's like, in retrospect, it's almost like we're laughing while we're watching it. Like, next time, baby. It's like, no, man, not for you. And then Jeff Bridges, like, okay, the dude is fucking like the villain in this movie. Okay, the guy, the kid from Tron, is now the bad guy. So it, it was interesting. But Jeff Bridges, I think, was a great one-time villain. I'm kind of glad he died. Not because he, I don't think he could have carried into the second one at all, but just his story, I'm glad it ended there and we didn't have spillover with Iron Man 2 at all with that character. Tony, what were your thoughts on the casting for Iron Man? Casting is, like, as perfect as you can get for a movie like this. Um, yeah, it's been said before a million times, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is as iconic as uh, Tony Stark as you could possibly get. The whole idea that they were going to cast Tom Cruise now in retrospect seems like what the fuck that never would have worked Tom Cruise is charming but he's charming in a completely different way than Robert Downey Jr. is and uh, seeing him on screen with somebody like say Clark Gregg he is you know just kind of like somebody who pops up here and there throughout the film ends up becoming a real solid glue to the universe but they play off each other, and you could only do that with people that seem like they're sort of on par with one another. Tom Cruise would have just kind of been above him, and he would have been above all the other people, too, in this movie in a different way. You know, good actor or whatever, but um, 
you needed people that kind of all seemed like they came from the same source. And Gwyneth Paltrow didn't feel like that at first to me when they announced that she was going to be, you know, the, the primary love interest. I remember hearing a lot that it was going to be Rachel McAdams, and I'm a huge Rachel McAdams fan because she's gorgeous. So I was sort of rooting for her, and when they announced Gwyneth Paltrow, I was like, eh, she's a little old, like, you know. But she ended up nailing that, too. Jeff Bridges is awesome as a guy who is trustworthy enough, but you know something's going on there. And he delivers one of the best lines in the entire film. The whole, Tony Stark was able to build this at a cave. With a box of scraps. <laughs> you know, uh, that's just amazing. Terrence Howard, man, we were joking about this when we were doing our marathon. He just comes off like a creepy guy. Uh, he's like a yeah. pedophile or something. <laughs> and Don Cheadle, it seemed like a mistake at first to me that they were going to recast the character. And I would have been on board with Terrence Howard sticking around despite the kind of creepiness. But Don Cheadle knocks it out of the park later on. And, um, you know, the group of the people that they had working on this film, being able to play off each other instead of just being thrown into the mix as like your cast is this because you're a name and your cast because you're a name. They were cast as names, sure, but they were cast because they had a good camaraderie together, and that really, really shows throughout the film. Eddie, what what are your thoughts on casting? Yeah, I agree with uh, Tony. There's nothing they could have done to make it better. Uh, they really – it's, you know, the stars align. I say this over and over with uh, certain films, certain projects, and – Iron Man is one of those cases with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Like the guy, I mean, it's just one and the same uh, as Iron Man. And you, I can't, I can't even tell the difference anymore. Sometimes you, you see a press conference with Robert Downey Jr. And I'm like, is that Tony Stark or is that, is he doing a character or like, I'm not sure. Sure. Um, Sam, yeah. And uh, as far as Jeff Bridges, yeah. Um, awesome one-off villain. I wouldn't want to see him again as a villain. Just, He's the dude, man. You know, like, and he's got that weird kind of voice accent thing. He's very unique, and uh, I think I think it worked in Iron Man, but I, I don't know, just because I think he was a good opposite to Tony Stark. Now, uh, uh, go ahead. Sorry, uh, go on. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, as far as Terrence Howard, I couldn't give two dams, but it worked. He was just there doing what he had to do. He could give one uh, damn. Uh, okay, I'll give one damn. <laughs> he was uh, he, he was good. It's just when he he was way too you know like way too in the background compared to the dude and Iron Man. And uh, as far as Gwyneth Paltrow, she's that kind of a uh, hot in a non vulgar way. So I like her. Man, I think she's a good actress. She's done some good stuff. And, uh, I think the most notorious one she ever did was uh, Shakespeare in Love. But other than that, I guess. Maybe not too much. But I like the casting a lot. Uh, some facts before we move on to our next topic of discussion. Uh, it was released May 2nd, 2008, with a runtime of 126 minutes and a budget of $140 million. The box office was $585.1 million, and what really kicked off Phase 1. Um, Eddie, we'll, we'll start with you on this one. When it comes to the uh, Iron Man comics... And when it comes to the Iron Man film, do you feel that uh, the film did it justice? 
I wish I could say something about that, but I don't know jack about the comics. Fair enough. I mean, nothing. I mean, I just, I maybe I had a, you know, when I was a kid, maybe I bought one or two Iron Man comics, just because when you're a kid, you you have to buy comics. Um, I played some video. I mean, I remember playing the Avengers video game. Uh, I think it was on the Game Boy, and that's it. That's all I know about Iron Man. <laughs> in the comics uh, so yeah I'm pretty sure it did it justice I mean um, made the suit look really cool Sweet. Uh, Sam what, what are your thoughts did the movie do justice to the comic um, there's two ways to answer that the first is did it stick to the source material and this movie completely did not stick to the source material all sorts of things were changed from the war Tony got his accident into to it being the arc reactor, just that thing in his chest instead of like a full torso metal part to just the look of the suits to everything is just different from the comic books. The second answer to that is it was so good that you saw the Iron Man comics become more like the Iron Man movies as time went on. The movies became so influential that the comics, in order to become more popular, changed. So that tells you just how amazing this movie is. Tony, what are your thoughts on the transition from uh, paper to film? Sam touched on it that there's a bit of a divide. They don't translate everything directly, but instead they improve on it. You know, Yinsen wasn't a character that was from the Middle East. He was, uh, I believe, Chinese. Um, yeah, his name was his name was Yen Sin. Mm-hmm. And they obviously needed to adapt that. And they took the arc reactor. They made that not only something that was much more intelligent, but simpler. And every little thing that they tweaked, they did it in the spirit of the comic books. Like, you've seen a lot of comic book movies over the years before this that, and actually a couple that are still going around afterward. I mean, Fantastic Four looks like it's kind of running into the the 2002 range instead of the 2015 range. But that they took these ideas, they said, look, we can't do this. We can't do that. That's too comic booky, And we can't have, you know, the old Batman movies, for instance. I love the Tim Burton Batman movies, but they would take ideas and they would go, well, we can't really have the penguin be, you know, like a a mobster or something. Can we, why don't we make him like a gruesome monster instead? And slowly over the years, we've been seeing these different movies come out, you know, the dark Knight uh, and the Batman begins kind of films. They took aspects and they kind of improved it. And this came out uh, right around the same time where they took, what was the spirit of the Iron Man character? And they said, look, let's just improve this for the 20, uh, 21st century. Let's make this to where it makes a lot more sense. It keeps the same ideas in general. You know, he gets involved in uh, the war, and that's why he has his accident. He's a dick. He's rich. He's got the suit and whatever. But they, they tweaked little things. You know, they could have gone the route of the bodyguard, which has been a long, long thing in the comics. But instead, they were like, you know what? We don't want to go through an entire movie where people think that he's just got a bodyguard that's Iron Man. So let's just have him 
throw the reference out there and then throw it right out the fucking window and just be like, no, I am Iron Man. We're going straight to Civil War, motherfucker. <laughs> so uh, it's definitely in the spirit of the comics. And the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe in general has taken this approach where they don't need to do a direct adaptation to keep the same spirit going. And it's so much better. Tony, we'll stick with you as we uh, wrap up Iron Man. Um, what were your final thoughts? High point, low point, and a rating 1 to 10. Iron Man is either my favorite or my second favorite out of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe that we've seen so far. Now, of course, Age of Ultron's coming up. That might blow that out of the water. Who knows? But this is an incredibly strong film. Probably overall the best movie of the bunch. The only other one that um, matches up is Winter Soldier. But amazing movie. Uh, out of a 10, of course, none of the movies, and that's just something I say for every four-wheel movie club, almost no movie is ever going to get a 10 out of 10 because if you weigh it on Oscar-worthiness and stuff like that, it's really tough. But if you factor in fan service and you factor in how much of a movie it is to enjoy versus the good parts and the good parts too. I got to go nine out of 10. Iron Man is just an awesome movie. Um, favorite and least favorite parts and stuff, high points and low points and all that. I don't think I can say a single low point about this movie. Maybe if I have to stretch, maybe it's a little bit of uh, the roadie character just kind of standing around and not really doing all that much. I know that they couldn't fit that in there without doing everything that's why they did the whole next time baby and last time for terrence howard but um that would be the only weak point i guess but high point is actually the very 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 end uh sitting through an awesome film you're just blown away the credits are going by you're listening to you know the whole da 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 and you're like fucking awesome movie wait the hell what the hell is this Nick fucking Fury? Amazing. Set the precedent for every movie afterward to have an after credit scene. Now they have two. Uh, just That blew me out of the water. And that was the start of all the crazy shit we're going to keep talking about. Eddie, what were your uh, high point, low point for the film? Final thoughts and rank 1 to 10. Well, the high point is the fact that it's... It feels like it's a constant piece of entertainment i mean I, I was never bored with this film not for one second and i'm really really strict with these kind of movies usually when there's too much fighting too much explosion uh or action scenes i just go oh man it's starting to get boring that didn't happen with iron man i don't know it's there's something quirky you know the the jokes keep coming uh, from robert downey jr and um it was well written so the high point is the movie's really really good as a whole the low point, I did inevitably go like, oh, man, that was so not happening in real life. You know, like, but it, it, it just some things about the way physics work, you know, I, I start to think of uh, uh, realistic terms. And I'm like, man, he would never survive a fall like that, no matter how strong his suit of steel is, uh, especially in the, when he like blows out of that cave in his first suit into the sand. I'm like, there's no way he would have survived, but whatever, I let it slide. I'd give it an eight because it's 
really bold. Um, it took superhero mo- uh, movies to the next level. Um, like I mentioned, Spider-Man before, it was really good. And then Fantastic Four, was, I thought it was all right. I thought Fantastic Four was all right. But this is the first one that's like, okay, this is some serious shit going on. Iron Man. Bang. I give it an eight. Sam, what were your final thoughts, high and low, and ranking one to ten? Final thoughts were this was the perfect way to kick off the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, High point for me has got to be his first fight with the suit when he goes over and he like fights those guys the first time saves the kid and his father and all that that to me and there's no almost more iconic shot to me than when the tank blows him out of the sky shoots the missile he kind of moves for a second shoots a tinier little missile at it and just blows it sky high that to me is the iconic shot of the movie like tony had said to get a low is going to be really stretching for me, if I had to pick it, it wouldn't be Rhodey so much as it felt like they didn't know what to do with, uh, what was the guy's name, Raza? Like they wanted to tease that like the Mandarin and the Ten Rings, but then they had Stain go in there and like kill the guys. You didn't actually see Raza die, so they could have used him later. But that whole we were hired to kill Tony Stark. We didn't kill Tony Stark. That kind of felt like the, like should have had either Raza be the bad guy or not even introduce him and just make Stain the bad guy. It almost felt like they didn't know which bad guy they wanted to go with at some point. Sweet. Well, thank you guys for sharing on Iron Man. For those of you listening, make sure you go to our next video where we will jump a month ahead and talk about the incredible Hulk. Here on the no, movie wait. What? No? This movie is so cool. I have to say this is the best soundtrack in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Iron Man. There you have it, folks. So stick around. Make sure you check out our next video here on the Four Real Movie Club. The Incredible Hulk, another 2008 film. Stick around. Welcome back to the second video here on the Four Real Movie Club, and we're going to be talking about The Incredible Hulk, one of the films a part of Phase 1. So... Let's kick it off. We'll start with you, Sam. What do you think about The Incredible Hulk, your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts were this was, oh my God, like above and beyond better than the Ang Lee Hulk from 2003. Uh, A lot of people have this movie on their like worst, like the top bad film of the MCU. I personally think it's incredibly underrated. Definitely not one of the best. Incredibly underrated? (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I don't think it's the huge stinker that people say it is. I think Edward Norton was solid. I think um, Liv Tyler was solid. A little little tongue-tied because I I can't say it was great. All I can say is it wasn't as bad as people think it is. Eddie, what were your first thoughts on The Incredible Hulk? Are we allowed to say... uh... The F word and stuff like that. It's encouraged. Fuck okay. yes. <laughs> yeah, fuck this utter piece of shit. Like, I cannot believe a movie that cost apparently $150 million would just suck this bad in all sorts of aspects. Like, just fuck it. 
That's my initial reaction. <laughs> do you want to know why, though, or do you want to like? Uh, yeah, yeah later? sure. Go, uh, go into why because we got to keep these ones short, unfortunately. Okay. No. Cool. Cool. Okay. Uh, here's a it, on, on principle, it, this movie sucks ass to me because, um, well, they this they portrayed Brazil in a very unrealistic fashion. And I'm not saying like, oh, they showed like, oh, it's, you know, poor people and everything's like a slum. No, it's exactly like that. It's a fucking slum. But here, okay. So apparently uh, the, they, they, they didn't hire a single Brazilian actor. Like when, it, when, uh, when Bruce Banner's at the factory fixing that thing, he's um, uh, the guy that walks up to him, supposedly the manager or whatever, he's all like, that that dude is so like I don't know where where he's from, like it's totally lousy Portuguese. And then when he uh, he gets into this mess with these you know these thugs or whatever that work at the factory, that guy is so like Mexican Guatemalan or whatever Cuban I don't even know like dude like what what are you doing? I'm pretty sure which is funny. Which, 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 which is funny because if I'm not mistaken, they got that uh, the jujitsu um, instructor, MMA instructor, uh, Grace uh, something. Um, when when he's teaching uh, Bruce Banner to breathe and control his emotions and all that, that was solid. Even the breathing technique was solid. Um, and it's just it's just on and on and on. And it, you know if if uh, if a whole like U.S. SWAT team suddenly appeared. Over there, don't you think that drug dealers will like just open fire on them? <laughs> like, like honestly, like, that's why that's why the cops don't go there because it's it's war otherwise, and the the drug dealers have a weaponry that's even better than the police's or the that matches the army's. Have you seen City of God? Watch City of God, and you see what I'm talking about. Um. Anyways, uh, there's plenty more. There's a giant list. I'm not gonna go on and on and on. But anything to do with Brazil? Like, oh yeah, no, hang on. He turns into the Hulk and he beats the crap out of everyone. And he run, run, run away, runs away from the factory, and all of a sudden he, he wakes up in fucking Guatemala. Like, and even if you run 100 miles per hour for precisely 24 hours, you're not gonna get that far because it's like 3,000 miles away, 4,000 miles away, or something. <laughs> I doubt somebody would give the Hulk a lift, like chopper or something. <laughs> So, I mean, it just goes on and on. Like, he's a bum all of a sudden. The kid gives him, like, 10 cents, and he buys, like, all these clothes, and he walks across the border <laughs> to, to where 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 is it? New York? Or whatever, dude. Next. <laughs> Tell me what were your initial thoughts on The Incredible Hulk. I love this movie. It has an amazing portrayal of Brazilian culture. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Incredible Hulk is one of the two weakest films out of this whole uh, set. There's six movies here, and there's three of them that are on the stronger end and two of them that are on the weaker end. Uh, Incredible Hulk is definitely one of the weaker ones. It's far better than Ang Lee's Hulk, but there are a couple things that Ang Lee's Hulk seems to understand a little bit more, and... I think if you combine both of those movies, you get an awesome film. And when you take the bad from Ang Lee's and the bad from this Incredible Hulk, you can see that there's somebody who is in charge that doesn't know how to do Hulk. And I'm not saying that necessarily I know all the answers and everything, but there's a problem with the Hulk. And the fact that we've gotten one 
universally recognized this terrible movie with the Ang Lee Hulk, and one that's the weaker out of all of the Phase One um, cinematic films. And then we haven't had a single Hulk movie since then. Clearly, there's an issue with people not understanding how to do a Hulk movie, and this is no, uh, not immune to that at all. Uh, Tony, we'll stick with you. Um, when it comes to this film, I, it, this, to me, this is a huge thing because, like you had just previously said, that the, there's no sequel, and yeah, when Nick. We, yeah, when we get to, there's no Planet Hulk. Uh, <laughs> when we get to the Avengers, you'll see that the casting is kind of thrown away. Anyway, how did you guys, uh, Tony, we'll start with you. How did you feel about the casting for The Incredible Hulk? Edward Norton is a better Hulk than Mark Ruffalo. Thank uh, you. Yes. Yeah, he is easily a better Bruce Banner, too. And the only thing that is an upgrade from Avengers to that is the CGI and stuff. But uh, another thing that's an upgrade, um, this is comparing it to the Ang Lee one. I love Jennifer Connelly. I think that she's gorgeous. I think that she's great in a lot of different things. Eric Bana is good, too, in a lot of different things and stuff, but those two just didn't fit the mold. Liv Tyler is somebody that I've never been a big fan of, and she is by far an amazing Betty Ross. Uh, she's one of the highlights of the movie. I don't even like her, and she's a highlight of the film. Uh <laughs> Some of the other casting decisions are kind of meh. I mean, they could have gone with different people for General Ross. They could have gone with somebody different for Doc Samson. They definitely could have gone with somebody different for Abomination, too. And I like Tim Roth. But at the very core of this, this is a movie of Banner and Ross, uh, Betty Ross. And those two just are great. They never should have let them go. Eddie, what were your feelings on the casting for this movie? Did I mention that, okay, he lives in Rio, which is like 2,000 miles away from the Amazon where the flower is. It's like saying like, oh, man, I need like the spider in California. And then you go move to New York to get the spider. You know, like it makes no sense. Anyways, <laughs> Edward Norton kicks ass. The casting of that flower was terrible. Yeah, yeah, Edward Norton. <laughs> yeah. Edward Norton really kicks ass. I like him in pretty much any movie. And uh, he's no exception here. Uh, Liv Tyler, uh, she's good for those kind of offbeat dramatic movies um but i don't really care for her in a lot of big budget movies um she was all right though i think tony's right you know like it's i think between edward norton and Liv tyler there was something good happening Tim, this is the worst tim roth role i've ever seen he does he, like he's a great i love this guy he's a great actor he's done some amazing work but this is just what a lame role for him. I don't know why he chose to do this. You haven't seen someone else. Numbers. Someone else a little more. I, I don't know. I just I, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy his character. As far as William Hurt, I don't know. I guess it's typecast. I suppose like makes sense. Sam, what were your thoughts on casting? That's it. Uh, for me, uh, jumping off of something Eddie said, I actually tried to research this, and even though I couldn't confirm firm because they didn't have like the actor's birthplace in a lot of areas the only the only person in that whole movie that was actually brazilian was the girl who was in there for like five minutes that it's like is this the love interest no no it's not yeah yeah she really she she really <laughs> is brazilian like, yeah that was that's the, the only face. one that's the you only can tell one. by the faces and there's this one woman who yells like like hey kid come to dinner that 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 was genuine portuguese but i bet it was like on location at the moment like hey say something in portuguese yeah 
But um, Liv Tyler, like Tony said, I think was great as Betty Ross. Betty Ross isn't supposed to be like Tony Stark. She's not like a, a highlight, an A-lister, the draw of the movie. But she was perfect for what she needed to be for the movie. Uh, I thought the act. I, I don't know too many names very well. But the actor who played uh, Thunderbolt Ross, I thought was great, but was not utilized correctly. I don't think it was the fault of the actor. I think it was the fault of the writers. And Edward Norton, like Tony had said, he's better to me as the Hulk than Mark Ruffalo in a lot of ways, other than the CGI and we're just getting that out of the way. I always call Banner uh, in The Incredible Hulk the Incredible Hulk. And I call him in the Avengers Gorilla Hulk because for some reason they decided instead of him standing up on two legs and like looking like a menacing pissed off green monster, they've got him on all four sometimes. He's hunched over a lot. He's more animalistic where he's like looking around everywhere like what's going on. Like maybe that could have been a better Hulk, but like I'm so used to the Hulk just being like, pure rage that this hulk seemed just angrier to me than the one in the avengers he just kind of seemed like you literally like filmed a gorilla for 30 minutes and then like put the hulk over it and let it go so casting for me mostly right on blonsky i thought it was a little weird that they got an english actor but like if you read into the background of the character it's like he was adopted or they were Russian, but then they moved to London or something. So eh, they got away with it. Uh, to give a little bit of facts before we move on to the next topic, the runtime of the film is 112 minutes. It was released about a month after June on June 13th, 2008, after Iron Man. Uh, the budget for this film was 150 million, and the box office only brought in uh, 263.4 million. So not as big a hit as Iron Man, but at the same time, still did good. Um, Blame that Sam on was, Angley's. Yeah. Oh, fuck Angley's. Uh, Sam, we're going to stick with you. Same All question right. we had asked with Iron Man. And I'm going to ask this again. And there's, it's kind of a two-parter. Yeah. Did it stay true to the comics to do it justice? And how do you feel about Ed Norton taking a rewrite at it? Um, well, I'll answer that first. I don't know what the script looked like before he got his hands on. Mm -hmm. So I personally, other than hearing rumors, I can't say for sure what his touch on it was. I would hope that if it wasn't there, that he would have brought the piano Incredible Hulk song from the TV show, that that might have been thrown in in his idea, because I loved that when I heard it. Like, that was something I felt like it's not that the TV show was part of it. But it's a good throwback to something that people would have remembered. It was a good somber atmosphere. It was perfect for that moment. So I, I can't touch too much on his rewrite. I know that's the reason why we have Mark Ruffalo now. And I'm not going to say I, – I know I said I preferred Norton, but I'm not going to say Ruffalo is bad in any sense of the word. He's great as Banner now. I would have liked to have seen him come back. But as far as the second part, which was staying true to the comics. More so than Iron Man, this one seems to stay true to the ultimate Marvel side of things, where Banner was working on a version of the super soldier serum, and an accident happens with it, he tests it on himself, and he becomes the Hulk. 
So I thought that this movie stayed a little bit more true where the government's hunting him, Ross is hunting him, Betty's involved, even had a little Doc Samson thrown in there. This one, more than Iron Man, stuck to some version of the comics. Tony, uh, did you feel that the movie justified? And any thoughts on the Edward Norton rewrite? Same thoughts about the Norton rewrite. I don't know what it was before he touched it. He might have ended up screwing it up more than helping, but he might have ended up making some of the bad things go away. Who knows? Um, I kind of tend to think maybe he was more detrimental to it than a positive because the movies that have come afterward have kind of, uh, you know, sort of fixed some of the problems that are in this film. Who knows, though? I mean, he could have been taking a pile of shit and polishing it up and still serving a pile of shit, but at least it's prettier. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as far as straying through, uh, through the source material, another situation with Iron Man, they took some liberties, and for the most part, they were good. I mean, they didn't have to have too many things redone now that they had done the Incredible Hulk film before. Not the Incredible Hulk before, but you know what I mean. Um, so they already kind of set a precedent for a lot of different things, and the audience was aware of Hulk a little bit more than they were with Iron Man, which is actually one of the big positives about this film, is they took the idea of a requel, where it's a sequel in a lot of the sense to the Ang Lee one, but it redoes a lot of things, so it's not a full reboot, and that was really smart of them. So it's kind of true to both the source material in the comics and a little bit to the movie that came beforehand. I like what they did with a lot of that stuff. They didn't have some of the mistakes that the other one film, uh, the other film did where it was kind of like the bright green Hulk and, uh, you know, that he just kept getting bigger and bigger. Hulk doesn't need to keep getting bigger and bigger. He gets stronger and stronger. So if you look at the two films that they had done, this is definitely more of an incredible Hulk film and, Overall, I mean, I think that they captured the spirit pretty well. Eddie, what were your thoughts on the uh, keeping true to a comics or doing it justice and possibly the Ed Norton rewrite? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I'm just reading that Edward Norton uh, apparently is a huge uh, Hulk fan. So he understood that um, you have to remain true to the roots of Hulk, but not only, I quote, uh not just appeal to 13-year-old boys. Um, Ed and I both see superheroes as the new Greek gods. Leterrier, uh, which is one of the writers, I think, said this. And um, so the rewrite was actually probably a very good thing. Who knows what, what they had in store before that. Um, also, just uh, – I don't know if this falls into the same category, but Liv Tyler also discussed a lot of the – dynamics between Bruce and Dr. Ross um, while the rewrite was going on. Uh, I don't know how much input she had as well, but even if it was minimal, it happened as well. And I think it probably, it was probably for the better. I mean, if they, if they, I mean, the bottom line is if the studio went down with it, then that's cool. All right, Sam, uh, what we're going to do now is final thoughts, high point, low point, and a ranking 1 to 10. Final thoughts, uh, I still stand by my statement that I don't think this is the steaming turd that everybody says it is. But on the same token, I completely agree that this is one of the black sheeps 
of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Unfortunately, I think this is why we've never really seen any Betty references, any mention of Ross, any mention of really anything. Even in the Avengers and other little side, nobody really talks about it. The only thing we got was a little name drop in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they mentioned that Blonsky is currently in cryo-freeze, which actually very happy they actually kept this villain alive because there's not too many things in this universe that can go toe-to-toe with the Hulk. And if you let Abomination loose, that could make for another interesting movie. Um, High point, I think, has to be uh, the dedication to science where they were saying it's not just that he turns into this weird green monster. There's reasons why he's green. There's reasons why he's angry. There's reasons why he transforms the way he does. I appreciated these just from the science side. Uh, But I would have to say the low point would probably just have to be generally the film. The, The high points were still paling in comparison to the midpoints of Iron Man. So there was, there other than the Hulk abomination fight, nothing was too much of a yeah moment. And even the final fight didn't feel like it lasted all that long. So I never actually said this for Iron Man, I would give it a 9.5 out of 10. This one, I'm gonna give a six out of 10. I liked it more than just middle of the road, but not enough to say it was an amazing movie. Eddie, what were your uh, final thoughts, high point, low point, and ranking 1 to 10? Uh, yeah, final thoughts. Um, uh, well, I, okay, fine. It's, uh, you know, it's it's a good movie, right? I mean, they got Lou Ferrigno in it. I mean, just, you know, that, there's that Easter egg. And he voiced the Hulk, actually. I don't know if you guys knew this. Apparently, he uh, he's the one who said uh, Hulk smash. He recorded that in the studio, so that's pretty cool. They paid him in pizza. Yeah, yeah. In <laughs> real Russian life? In, in real life? You think so? No, no, <laughs> it's in the movie. movie. <laughs> yeah, I know the movie. Hey, um, Who knows? But, uh, uh, um, anyhow, the high point of the movie, I really like the you – know, I, I don't know. I, I like the, uh, the Liv Tyler, Edward Norton kind of thing going on. I think they had good chemistry. Uh, I think it worked a lot, and I usually don't really care for this kind of stuff in action movies or comic book movies, but it totally worked, and uh, the low point is just the complete lack of attention in some production aspects, which I have ad- repeated here ad nauseum. Uh, yeah, but it, on, on that principle, I have to give this movie a one. That's Ooh. it. Yeah, no, fuck it. I don't give a fucking shit. You don't spend $150 million in, you know, creating bogus science, which is also kind of crappy. Uh, and on top of that, I know it's a superhero movie, whatever. I'll, that I cast aside totally. I would normally give it a six, but for the love of God, you don't just like who who, who put the stuff together. I know the, the logistics behind, you know, um, on location and hiring people, but my God, you know, make a, make a CG, you know, Brazil and hire like three actors. You can <laughs> surely afford, you can surely afford. I mean, they're not like, it's not like Brazilian union is too expensive. You know what I mean? So, um, and they are, they are some great actors. So just hire them, you know, for 
crying out loud. Even if you get an MMA fighter to act as an actor, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, on that principle alone, I'll just give it a one. Just fuck it. I just want to say, on now that that's a one, that's the lowest rating we've given any movie, and One Crazy Summer is now better than that. <laughs> I just, I just also want to point out that I actually thought the science was good, and he thought the science was bad in the exact same movie. Yeah, but what did you think about the portrayal of Brazil? I, I've never been there. I, I don't go anywhere that's hot. It made Virginia seem smart, which I think is stupid. <laughs> I gotta say, bye. Bye, bad. Don't... Oh no! In in uh, in uh, in length, like you know, like in distance. That's what I was getting at. Yeah, and he ended up in Vancouver by the end of the movie, so <laughs> I can see that. Uh, Tony, what were your final thoughts? High point, low point, and ranking one to ten. I'm gonna give this a six and a half, just because it does have a lot of replay value. It's not a great film. Uh, the execution of the film is what's the flaw. It seems like it's something that it needed one more rewrite from somebody who really understands how to do things. Maybe get like a combination of a Kevin Feige who gets the universe and maybe, um, I don't want to just say like Joss Whedon, but somebody who's just a better writer. Uh, that would have helped this film out a lot. Favorites and least favorite parts and stuff like that. Um, favorite is one of my favorite parts of the whole film other than the quick reference to the old theme which by the way i don't like that tv show and when people keep talking about how that tv show should be brought back and they should do that kind of again no don't do it that tv show is just popular because it was in a time period where that could be popular same thing for linda carter as wonder woman um we don't need a wonder woman tv show uh other than that though i would have to say one of my favorite parts is the scene with a thunderstorm because that showcases quite a bit about what the character is about you know he's still just this angry brute but then there's betty to calm him down and as calm as he is when he's around betty in that scene thunder strikes and you hear that clap and he just is like ah fuck you <laughs> you know that kind of thing <laughs> that's the way that hulk should be you know he's like as simple-minded as you can get and just pure anger but Love is the one thing that separates them. Least favorite? If it's not just Doc Samson being a complete uh, pushover pussy, it's got to be the fact that when they wrote this film, they either knew what they were doing or they didn't know, and this was a subconscious choice, but nobody seems to care that nobody refers to anybody by anything but these like weird pronouns. Like You have to keep going by the general and my dad, and whatever. No, he's General Ross. You can say Ross, it's okay. When you've got Dr. Bruce Banner, you can refer to him as Bruce, you can refer to him as Dr. Banner, you can refer to him as Banner, and all that. I think there's like twice in the whole film they call him Banner. Instead, he's it, or the thing, or what was that, or him. The entire movie, every character is in this thing, and... That's something that has just irked me from the very, very first time I saw the film. I'm in their movie theater, and I'm squirming, going, can you fucking see Branner? Like, you know? <laughs> it's a stupid thing to be caught up on, but every time I watch this movie, it irks me more and more. And that is just, you know, fuck you, Marvel, for doing that. Sweet. So, I don't know, I had a brain fart there. Um, when it comes to the Four Wheel Movie Club, we're going to be moving on to our third out of six movies. Yes, it's a long one this uh, month, guys. In the Phase 1 and Four Wheel Movie Club proceedings. 
that was the Incredible Hulk. Stick around. Click the next YouTube video. Iron Man 2 is coming up here on the Four Real Movie Club. Welcome back to the third segment of the six-part series for the Four Real Movie Club. And our next movie on the slate is Iron Man 2. Eddie, we'll start with you. What is your first thoughts on Iron Man 2? I thought it was... Um, I think the same magic from the first Iron Man was kept. Uh, I don't think there was a particular... I, I think it was improved, actually. Uh, first of all, the you know the visual effects were better. Uh, No-brainer, since I mean, there's a couple of years between the movies. And I thought the threat of a... Of uh, you know Mickey Works character, I'm terrible with the names. I know the actors and the names they, they escape me, but I like the fact that there's a there's somebody he has to fight. You know, kind of like the Hulk had Abomination, and there's you know he goes head to head with this big dude who's got technology as well. I like that. I don't know, you know, the the clash of opposites um, appeals to me, and uh, just generally Iron Man is just Iron Man Two is just as hilarious as the first one and as awesome as the first one. Sam, what were your initial thoughts on Iron Man 2? Sorry, I didn't realize my mic was out. <laughs> um, initial thoughts on Iron Man 2. What a gigantic step down from Iron Man. And the perfect example of what happens when you have way too many voices trying to put what they think should be in a movie. Just a gigantic clusterfuck of storylines. Tony, Tony, what's your uh, thought on Iron Man 2? Definitely weaker. Um, definitely not a movie that I can just sit down and put on and, you know, from beginning to end feel this emotional journey and stuff. But it takes a hit because it needed to. In the grand scheme of things, Iron Man 2 is one of the most important movies that happens in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it sets up a whole lot more than something like Incredible Hulk does. And... Yeah, it's not a strong film. It is on the weaker side, but the threads that they put out there that go throughout Thor, Captain America, Avengers, Iron Man 3, and still going on, those are so important that it's almost kind of in the same regard that I'm thinking what's going to happen with Batman versus Superman, where it's going to be a step in a weird direction, but looking back, we're going to appreciate it more. So one other thing that we've been talking about with the other two movies, and uh, we're going to talk about a little bit on this because we've already hit on some of the characters because they brought the casting over. But three people that are pretty important to this film are uh, the introduction of Scarlett Johansson as the Black Widow. Woo! Sam Rockwell. Woo! Mickey Rourke. Boo. <laughs> and actually there's a fourth. Don Cheadle taking over as uh, War Machine. Woo! Okay. Tony, what are your thoughts on the four additions to Iron Man 2? Scarlett Johansson is not my first choice for Black Widow. That would have been Emily Blunt. But she has proven herself over the past couple of films. Totally a welcome addition to this movie. Don Cheadle, awesome. Huge step up from Terrence Howard. Uh, not creepy. Not a pedophile. Mickey <laughs> <laughs> um, Rourke, though. God damn it, Mickey Rourke. He I... is one of the biggest problems in this film. And as bad as he is in so many different ways, Sam Rockwell is good. Sam Rockwell is 
definitely a, a great villain in this film. Uh, he would have been a terrible Iron Man. I don't know why they thought that he would have been a good choice for that role originally. But he is just incredibly charismatic in pretty much every role he's in. And he brings a different side of a different type of villain to the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I think that they can do every once in a while. And if they get somebody strong enough of an actor to pull it off and a script that's strong enough, then you can have somebody who is threatening despite the fact that they're completely not threatening. Uh, if it wasn't for Justin Hammer in this film and we just had Ivan Vanko, man, this would be a pain to get through. Sam, what were your thoughts on the uh, four people that have been added to the Iron Man 2 film? Uh, Scarlett Johansson, good choice. Never a problem getting talented people. Don Cheadle, same. Better than Terrence Howard. Got some name recognition behind him. Good actor. Uh, Mickey Rourke, oh my god. Like, Why? Why? Why did they get this guy? Like, okay, he looks like a big, beefy, scary man who speaks semi-passable Russian. Other than that, he's not a great actor to me. I mean, I know he's had some really good performances in the past, but this wasn't one of them. Poor writing for the character. And just, like, all over the place. Why did Mick... Why was Mickey Rourke obsessed with oh i think like the bird should be like a big thing in this movie no this is why mickey Rourke isn't a writer no and then i'm <laughs> bad so, dog yeah it's a bad <laughs> mickey Rourke. Um, get, the, get like the uh, spray bottle and just squirt it at him and he then what was like the fourth actor sweaty and dirty as fuck looking in this movie oh god uh, the fourth actor i'm so pissed off i can't even think sam rockwell very good actor when I hear he's in a movie, I'm interested. Justin Hammer was not written well at all. He was every they successfully portrayed him in only one way. He is the opposite of Tony Stark. He is not that intelligent, only smart enough to run a successful business, but not a scientist. He's more money grubbing and is always trying to one up wants to prove he's better than Tony Stark in this big penis contest, just measuring dicks, basically. And they made him a whiner. He just, he complained the whole time. It's like he was more focused on one-upping Tony Stark than actually, like, being a character that I cared about. Like, I didn't care if he one-upped Tony. And I knew as soon as he did one-up Tony that it was going to blow up in his face because it was actually Mickey Rourke's character that did it all. He didn't do anything. He saved the guy from prison, which I have no idea how in the real world that would have happened. That whole thing was just like perfect timing here, 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 and here in a completely unrealistic prison break. Other than that, great actor in a bad role. Eddie, what were your thoughts on the four additions to the Iron Man 2 franchise being Cheadle, Johansson, Rourke, and Rockwell? Yeah, Cheadle was definitely a step up. I mean, he's done some amazing dramatic roles. And, um, I mean, it's not like this is a movie where you require a lot of drama or anything, but, yeah, he was great. Um, a lot more credible than Terrence Howard. Nothing against Terrence Howard. It's just Don Cheadle's a 
he's a, he seems like a serious actor to me. Like, a, you know, he really, um, he's a real actor. No offense to the previous. Scarlett Johansson is uh, great, period. Um, I like her in pretty much anything, so there. Oh, I mean, she's talented. I mean, it's not like, you know, she, I mean, she's hot and beautiful, but I mean, uh, she's talented. That's the point, I guess. And she's hot twice. Uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, okay, this guy's, a, again, uh, just like Sam said, he's a great actor, but it's kind of like, I don't know, man, I would have maybe picked someone else or I, I'd still want him in the role, but like, yeah, make him a, a little more, less of a douche. I don't know. And make your work. I don't know, dude. He, okay. Like it's the whole, like I am evil Russian is like, it's just so, I don't know. It gets retro. It's overplayed. It's James Bondy. It's, I don't know. It's just, it, it kind of works though. Whatever. I mean, I don't know. Since I don't know anything about the comic universe, um, it seemed like the kind of opposite uh, that Iron Man would have to face. So, like, just apart from the stupid gay bird, uh, seemed pretty cool to have Iron Man fight this guy. And yeah, he looked just like he did in the wrestler dirty and oily and nasty. Um, yeah, that's it. To give a few facts real quick before we go into the next topic, uh, the movie was released two years after the original Iron Man on May 7th, 2010, with a runtime of 125 minutes and a budget of $200 million. The box office brought in $623.9 million, so I would say this was a success when it comes to the box office. Uh, usually we ask, does it stay true to the comics? But since this is a sequel to the other Iron Man that we talked about, and we say that they do take liberties, and that seems to be a running theme. Um, the question I have for Iron Man 2 to kind of discuss topics, we'll start with you, Tony, on this. Uh, we know that Terrence Howard stepped out. We talked that a little bit about casting and Don Cheadle. As a fan, and we talked a little about this in Uncredible Hulk as well, when they take a character who's played by an actor already and replace them, does it annoy the fuck out of you? Yes and no. Uh, if they upgrade, it doesn't matter to me. If they downgrade or they stay the same and it's for no reason, then that's a little bit odd to me. Uh, obviously, if somebody dies, then you need to replace him. And I'd rather uh, them replace somebody than to try to rewrite around a character, kind of like what happens with the Sin City movie. I mean, uh, Michael Clark Duncan played Minute, I think is his name. In the first movie, the second one, the story has Minute in it, so they got Dennis Habert, I think, to play the character, and you know he did more than fine for that kind of role. Instead of having to rewrite around, make up a new character or something like that, you can replace him. I mean, actors are replaceable in a lot of different ways. Replacing Terrence Howard as Don Cheadle seemed like it would have been a mistake to me, but it ended up being a huge upgrade because Terrence Howard was apparently a baby and wanted a lot more uh, money, if they would have just caved in and given him the money that he asked for, they might not have had the budget to be able to pull off hiring some of the other actors, and that is a huge problem. You don't sacrifice something on behalf of something that doesn't need to be sacrificed. 
if they would have had Terrence Howard, who knows? Maybe they wouldn't have been able to get Sam Rockwell. Maybe they would have had some no-name play Justin Hammer, and it would have been even worse. Or actually, you know what? Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't have been able to afford Mickey Rourke, and they would have had somebody better. Now that I'm thinking <laughs> about that. Uh, in general, I want them to keep people if they're good. It's not the end of the world if they replace them, though. Um, this is sort of something that I wish kind of would have happened with maybe Captain America. And when we get to the Phase 2 kind of side of things, we'll talk about the difference between having and not having Red Skull, but that's next month. Um, so upgrade for Don Cheadle, upgrade for the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general for them to replace him. But as long as you upgrade or you stay the same, that's how you should do that. If it's a situation where you're replacing just for the hell of it or you're downgrading, then that's a mistake. Sam, I'm going to ask you a different question when it comes to this movie itself. Try to spice things up a little bit here on the Four Wheel Movie Club. Uh, This is kind of the kickoff to Phase 1. Yes, Iron Man... Uh, in 2008 was is considered part of the phase one but this is when disney got their hands into it and started going like this yep we're making an avengers movie um how did you feel with more or less disney taking the reins with this film uh i was against it i wanted to see the next chapter of iron man and i think the first 30 minutes Maybe if they had just took that and just continued, it would have been a much better movie than when they throw in like, okay, we're going to have Black Widow in it. Now we're going to have Nick Fury pop in. We're going to have Coulson in here. They're going to force Iron Man to make a new element out of fucking magic. They're going to destroy his house to make a particle accelerator. He's going to have problems with Peppery's now there's a problem that he gave away his company and now he's like at the end of it they give it back to him but then for some reason in all the other films he still doesn't have it exactly kind of i don't know way too many cooks in the kitchen they should have let john favreau do what he wanted to do and i think we would have seen john favreau on iron man 3 because of it eddie uh, again i'm going to switch up the question uh, a little bit when it comes to the score and the soundtrack for Iron Man 2, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, generally, a lot of movies are just filler nowadays. As in, like, I can easily predict what what's going to happen. You know, uh, when it's an orchestra, I can, I, it's just, it's really obvious what's going to happen. Like, you know, you got, you have a slow pace, and oh man, the suspense going to happen. You know, it's just, you know, it's very predictable. So, uh, and, it's it's good production. Um, let me try to find something. I, I guarantee you, uh, um, Hans Zimmer's um, studio is probably involved one way or another because he's been producing. His studio has been producing so much stuff for soundtrack for the past like ten years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you can kind of hear that sound was like perfect. You know, like there's no you cannot go any further anymore. It's just now it's a matter of trying to be original. And I thought Iron Man was bold. The first one was bold with the guitars, man. I, I, honestly, I didn't pay too much attention to the soundtrack in the second one. Mm-hmm. But I, I, if I'm not mistaken, the, the same theme was there, the heavy guitar stuff. It's blended with the orchestration. So like the drums were there, like the, the cool, like the 4-4 four, four drums. Um, yeah, I think Iron Man is the best 
musically is the best of the Marvel franchise. So I'll give I'll give it a thumbs up. We'll stick with you. Uh, what were your final thoughts? High point, low point, and a ranking one to ten. High point, uh, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. She does have that stripping scene. Oh yeah, uh, not as good as that Woody Allen movie though. Although it's not really stripping. But yeah, the point is, uh, the low point. Uh, okay, I have a few, but I guess the bird or that part where in, um, when Mickey Ward I mean, tries to find his dog. Oh, that was the wrestler. Yeah. I found my bird. I can't, I can't. I can't discern. It's hard to discern Mickey Ward's role here. And the wrestler, because he's just like this big, grotesque creature and trying to make amends in, in his own special way. Uh, and I think the wrestler came out like, what, a, a year earlier than Iron Man 2? Yeah, he was riding a high where he went from wrestler to Expendables to this. That's a downgrade, uh, though, from uh, Marissa Tomei to a bird. At one point. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's just... There were certain things that I thought, eh. yeah, I think maybe maybe it was a script. I didn't analyze this movie too much, but I think maybe the script was way way too much. Like you know, this happens, then that happens, then this person arrives, and this person leaves. And, and as far as um, recasting, real quick, I don't, I don't, I never like when that happens. But luckily, uh, the John Don Cheadle thing didn't. Luckily, it didn't bother me. You know? So that's definitely not a low point. But low point, I'll go for it. Probably make you work. Uh, I'll give the movie. I'll give it a seven. It entertained me, so it's entertaining. And I, and what, what I, and Robert Downey Jr. is still great. So uh, maybe that's the the magic that I, I mentioned earlier. Sam, what were your final thoughts? And high point, low point, and ranking one to ten. Final thoughts. Gigantic step down. This was my least favorite film of phase one. Um, too many cooks in the kitchen, like I said before. I think John Favreau had a vision that he wanted. They should have let him do it because what he wanted to do in Iron Man worked so well. Um, I really don't understand some of the choices they made. I call it the Tony Stark. I understood that reference. I roll. In the Avengers, when uh, Steve's like, I do. I understood that reference. You see Stark kind of go, ugh, like just with his eyes. There's too many of those moments. The low points in this movie for me are the moments like, I've got my eye on you and stuff like that. Like the stuff that you didn't need that. It, they, they almost tried to make all the childish things of Iron Man fit in this movie so that more kids would watch it. And that just annoyed me to no end, which continued in Iron Man 3 to a worse degree. Uh, high point in this movie, other than just Robert Downey Jr. making this movie watchable, has to be that last fight. Just him and War Machine shooting down those drones. Just it was like it was like visual sex. It was just that was just perfect until Mickey Rourke once again ruined it. With his bird. With his bird. <laughs> and I would give this movie a 4.5 out of 10. It's just tipping the needle to the I did not like it end. And even though it's my least favorite, it only just tips into the I don't like it. Because even at its worst, 
it's still an okay movie. It's a good movie. It's the worst of Marvel, I think. But even Marvel's worst movie is a watchable movie. So that says a lot of stuff to benefit the Marvel Universe. Tony, what were your high points, low points, final thoughts, and ranking 1 to 10? Well, obviously, the least favorite part of this film is to hold void. You know, that <laughs> thing is just ridiculous. And it's so bad that I think I need to mention four awesome things to make up for it. <laughs> uh, the Nick Fury donut scene is amazing. That alone just carries that idea that this is going to be a universe and these are going to be lived in universes instead of just something where nobody has any crossover until we get to the Avengers. It was cool to see, you know, Scarlett Johansson pop up as Black Widow and that made it that much better because they had Nick Fury there to reiterate, yes, this is Black Widow from S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm S.H.I.E.L.D. Here's a fucking donut, you know. That was great. The roadie team up at the end, that fight scene was very cool. Sam Rockwell dancing was very cool, too. Uh, but um, favorite, favorite scene? I have to say the very beginning. That conference with the senators and everything like that is perhaps the best scene of the whole film because it sets a tone that it doesn't ever able to reach after that. And it carries over the fun of what the first Iron Man was before things start getting bogged down. The movie is eh, maybe like a six. It's something that it's not a strong film in so many different ways, but it's something that was a complete necessary anchor to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, you know, when we were watching these movies in our marathon, people dipped down during the Incredible Hulk and they dipped down still for Iron Man 2. But that's when we start kind of you know, realizing that there are some fun things coming. And whenever there's a reference to, like, the shield with Captain America or the Tesseract, then that's when you wake up a little bit more. So it gets a little it's bit of... Johansson. Yeah, that too, because, man. Don't forget about Happy Hogan, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's not the strongest film in the franchise by far, but it's something that they needed to do. Well, that does it for Iron Man 2. Stick with us, click the next video, and call for Heimdall because we are going to Asgard, bitches. Thor is next here on the 4 Real Movie Club. Welcome back to the fourth part of our 4 Real Movie Club. Usually this is the last film, but since we're doing phase one, this is four out of six. We're almost there, guys. This film we're going to be talking about is Thor. So we're heading to Asgard. Tony, we'll start with you on this one. What were your initial thoughts on Thor? First off, I can't pass up the joke. This is now the Thor Real Movie Club. Uh, uh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I, await, <laughs> I await the terrible comments below. But <laughs> Thor is a movie that I went into expecting it to be god-awful. I mean, after Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2 weren't really the strongest entries, my patience in Marvel was growing a little bit thin, and I was never a fan of Thor. I always thought that it was a ridiculous character. I don't like things like Lord of the Rings and all that all that much. You've got dwarves and elves and magic and whatever. Magic in general I don't like, and when you include the Viking kind of uh, motif, then I dislike it even more. So Thor was a character that I purposely never got into in the comics because I could read Iron Man... I could read, obviously, Spider-Man is awesome and X-Men's awesome, and I was even interested in, you know, like, Silver Surfer and stuff. 
but Thor was just like, duh, do I really want to have them talk about Malekith, the Dark Elf, and the fucking, uh, what's the name of that, Ulick, the troll, and whatever, like, that's so dumb, this movie's gonna suck, and holy shit, the beginning of this movie is actually pretty fucking cool, <laughs> it won me over, there's some flaws in it, and those flaws have continued into the Thor Dark World, and they're gonna continue into Ragnarok, because they will not get rid of these fucking characters, but Thor is so much better than I would have expected it to be, and it's actually one of my more favorite Phase 1 films to watch. Sam, what are your initial thoughts on Thor? My initial thoughts going into it were, did they seriously just make a movie about the Thor comics? Like, like Tony said, like I could read all sorts of comics. The mighty Thor, the dude who like hits a stick to the ground and transforms into a Norse god. Like I thought it was incredibly stupid. I never liked Loki. I never liked the concept. It all just seemed absolutely ridiculous. Other than I thought his hammer was pretty cool. Then like the trailers started to kind of win me over a little bit i'm like all right i'll at least go see it and then like tony said like i almost had to take a step back because if i had just watched the movie and rated it i'd have been like oh my god this is like a nine like this is awesome not there but it's definitely a movie that it went above and beyond my expectations for it and for all of its flaws it was a good, watchable movie with really cool effects at times. Eddie, what were your uh, initial thoughts on Thor? Well, I'd like to mention that I gave the Hulk a one. Uh, other than that, um, this movie was – it was kind of – it was cool. It was really pleasant in a – I think visually there were a lot of – you know, Asgard had a lot of colors and there was a lot going on. And um, – I thought that there was a there was a bizarre synergy between uh, Asgard and um, Earth. It was weird. Like things in Asgard, everything was over the top. And then all of a sudden in Earth, everything's just flat and boring. You know, and he's there like, I need a horse. You know, like I thought it was. I thought it was. It was silly, but it was. It, it kind of worked. You know. Um, I guess kind of, kind of like Sam put it, like uh, I was skeptical at first, but it kind of won me over little by little. Um, uh, I guess I do have to say that it was – that there were some aspects – I don't know. I didn't care much for that Loki dude or even Chris Hemsworth. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Even, yeah, even him. Well, we're going to talk about the casting soon, but uh, – I, I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of the protagonist and antagonist. Tony, uh, what were your thoughts on casting? The characters that are from Earth are completely interchangeable. You can replace them with any other actors. doesn't matter. And I'm a big fan of Natalie Portman. She's kind of worthless. Like They could have gone for somebody cheaper, and I wouldn't have cared. Um, and Darcy shouldn't even, even exist. So... Kat Dennings fans, sorry. She's unnecessary. Um, Hemsworth is amazing for Thor, I think. Um, 
lots of people wanted somebody like a Triple H, you know, some big tough guy to pull off the character. They went with somebody who was a relative unknown, and they scored. He is one of the biggest people that they could have possibly gotten for the role physically, but he was also able to get the character down, and he ended up being a huge gem. Um, but even more so, Tom Hiddleston is Loki. Uh, it, Loki's a character that I never really cared about just because of the whole you know, surrounding uh, environments and stuff. Whenever they had announced that they were going to probably build towards Loki in the Avengers, I was really not looking forward to that. I'm like, damn it, Loki? Like, we're going to have Loki and Thor, and we're going to have Loki and Avengers? Why can't we get Masters of Evil, where we've got, at least got Red Skull, and, you know, maybe they can try to get Doctor Doom, maybe they can try to do this, try to do that, get Abomination in there, too. Like, you got to at least include other guys, because it can't just be Loki. That character's dumb. Tom Hiddleston is amazing. There's a reason why he is one of the most beloved characters in the comic books now, and it's not necessarily just because of the comic books, it's because of these movies. That character has transcended it. And, you know, they had thought about giving him his spinoff film. That speaks volumes. For a character that is the central focus of not only Thor, as far as a villain is, but Thor 2 and the Avengers... And he's going to be the main, main focus for villains for Ragnarok. People still want to see more of Tom Hiddleston as Thor. That is amazing. Casting for this film in a lot of different ways for the supporting characters was right on the mark. I mean, the Warriors 3 are great, although there's an upgrade in the second film with um, getting rid of Josh Dallas and replacing with Zachary Levi. Uh, what's her? I can't think of her name. Uh, the one who plays Sif. Jamie Alexander. Um, yeah. She's able to pull off a character that a lot of people probably would have made it seem too much like, I'm a badass, and I'm a woman, that kind of thing. And she does that without being annoying, which is very hard to find. So credit to her, too. Credit to pretty much everybody except for Natalie Portman and Kat Dennings. Eddie, what are your thoughts on the casting for Thor? I thought it was good. Um, again, I, I don't usually analyze these kind of films because I usually, I watch them once and go, huh, that was cool and that stuff. Then a year later, I'll watch it again or six months later or something. So he, here's the thing. I think yeah, visually Chris Hemsworth is the perfect Thor. I, could, I can't think of anybody else who could play him. Even if you, you could get a Swedish guy or a Norwegian guy, it probably wouldn't be as good. Um... And just he 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 delivers, um, but I'm not a huge fan of him overall. I'm not even sure what he did before or what he's doing now. But uh, Loki, here's the thing about Loki. I think the actor gave a really interesting portrayal, and he brought this really great credibility to the character. Uh, you know, the mischief, the the backstabbing, the the double entendres, whatever you want to you want to throw in. Uh, I think it worked because of the actor, the, the Tom Hiddleston. And but otherwise, I I don't care for the character at all. I don't, you know, I don't see what the big deal is. I don't know what the hell the nine gag stuff is all the time. But all oh, the Loki, the most lovable character. I'm like, I don't, I I, I hate Loki. I hate Loki. Great actor, shitty character. Loki. I mean, that's the point. I mean, I hate him. 
because he sucks. <laughs> Loki, not not the actor. Natalie <laughs> uh, Portman is, I don't know, she's cute and hot, and that's it. But the, it could it could have been anyone. It could have been anyone. She's done some great stuff, but it could have been anyone. Um, I like the Swedish guy. The I like the fact that Thor is like the, the Scandinavian mythological god, and um, and they got a Swedish guy to to play in it in the movie. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, then there was that sidekick, that chick. What was her name? Darcy. She was totally useless. Completely, like she was. She might as well not even have been there. Uh, I loved uh, Idris Elba for Heimdall, and uh, apparently, uh, in the actual um, Nordic mythology, uh, Heimdall is purely like, his skin is as white as snow and is super blonde. He's the whitest person in the world. And it got a black guy. That's totally cool. <laughs> um, nobody else deserves mention. Oh, wait, Anthony Hopkins is cool. I think it was really authoritarian yes. and uh, he delivered. He really delivered. Um, Could they have done yeah. better for Odin? I doubt it. Yes, but he's dead. <laughs> Alec Guinness. Hmm. Hmm. No, maybe not. Like Anthony Hopkins has that meaner kind of like, "How dare you talk to talk back to me, boy?" You know. Yeah. Ah. That yeah. or he, Morgan he's, Freeman. He, he, he's got that British. <laughs> he's got that British uh, finesse, but he's also like really barbaric at, at the same time. And then Rene Russo was totally. Uh, they they could have spared some money and hired someone else. I'm not. I didn't, I didn't even know how what her budget was, but. And then, I don't know, everybody else was just kind of secondary character and didn't really stand out that much. Um, that's it. I thought it was a solid casting. It was just maybe a lot of people come to think of it. Sam, what were your thoughts on casting? Um, I'm going to separate this into Earth and Asgard slash Jotunheim. Um, real, okay, well, the only one who really mattered in Jotunheim was Laufey. Which I thought was interesting that Laufey is actually Loki's mother, not his father. So a little bit of a sex change here. Uh, sometimes you Holy can do that. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, he worked. Like, th- you didn't really need too much from him. He was, for what he needed to do, he was good. And he had that little moment, for me at least, that worked. When Thor and the gang went to Jotunheim. And he said, you know not what your actions would unleash. I do. And you could see the pain in his eyes because you know he's referring to the loss of his son. So that was like that all right, that little tiny throwaway minor character for the overall movie took it for me. I liked that. The other Yodens, some of them talked, most of them didn't. It was fine. Uh, I did like the one that roared and then Thor kind of roars back at him just to mock him. I like that. I thought that was cool. Uh, Asgard love Anthony Hopkins as you, as a, uh, as Odin. I thought that was perfect. I couldn't have imagined anything better than that. Um, Tom Hiddleston for Loki. Again, this is a comic book. I don't care about animated movies that I don't care about. This was good. Loki did what he needed to do. This isn't my favorite Loki moment in movies but for this it was fine the only thing I didn't like 
is when he kind of the whole I didn't understand his motives when I first saw the movie. It took me two or three times where it's like, okay, is he joking? Is he a trickster? Is he evil? Is he good but hurt? Like I could not figure this guy out. And I don't think that was Tom Hiddleston's fault. I think the writers kind of didn't define him as a good person who likes to trick people into a darker villain. I don't think I saw that transition very smoothly. Um, I couldn't have imagined him as Thor. Oh my God. He auditioned for Thor. I, I can't picture that. Mostly because Chris Hemsworth is Thor. Like you got Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. He is Thor. Like I can't picture anybody else now having seen him in a few movies as Thor to really like make me want to see these movies. He, he's the draw. He's why you go to see it. Um, Heimdall, good casting. Idris Elba probably wasted him a little bit. I think that's why Heimdall had more to do in the second one, only because now he's such a big star. Now they're going to have to find ways to fit Heimdall into situations where he didn't need to be just to highlight the actor, but whatever. Uh, Frigga, his mother, I think they spent that extra little hundred thousand or whatever to get her because of Thor the Dark World. But for this movie, you're right. She didn't have much to do. And then the war, the Sif and the Warriors 3, they played their part. Like Tony said, she didn't be like, I'm a woman who kicks ass. It was just, she's a woman and she's kicking ass. It didn't matter that she was a woman, except for the little throwaway line Thor says in the beginning to rally the troops. Like, hey, you're a woman and you're a warrior. I backed you, remember that? Other than that, totally fine um the warriors three are just three characters i don't care about so on to earth um scarsgard as the scientist um what's his name i always selvig. forget this guy's name selvig right um this is the only movie i have seen him in where he was important and he mattered and i'm glad he was there he's gonna be an age of ultron again i don't understand he was good for what he needed to be for this movie. He bridged the mythology of the Norse, and he respected Thor at the end. He was a good component. Darcy Lewis was just comic relief. That was it. She was literally there to make some jokes that most of them fell flat. And Natalie Portman was just a complete miscast. Other than, Or they didn't write her well. I honestly can't tell which it was. Either you shouldn't have paid for Natalie Portman for this kind of character, or you should have given Natalie Portman more to work with. And I know it's probably the writing, because I like Natalie Portman, and I saw her in Thor The Dark World, and I felt exactly the same. Their love connection does not work. It is not like Pepper and Tony, where it's a mutual love and respect for each other, this is almost just like a bond of lust. Like, wow, I think you're hot. Wow, I think you're hot too. And they hook up. That's all I felt from this movie. So other minor characters on Earth that might have popped up. Coulson was good. I liked Coulson in this movie more than I liked him in Iron Man 2. Other than that, okay, we saw Jasper Sitwell. He'll be important later. We saw Hawkeye for two minutes cool that another little avengers setup hoo -hoo. that that was it that was all for me and then the, the 
fucking end credit scene? Is Loki like possessing him? Does he not have the the scepter yet? Like, is he a ghost? Like that that was like there was no reason for them to have that, and it didn't go anywhere in the Avengers. So that was a complete throwaway waste of an end credit scene. And rent. Uh, just give a little facts before we jump into the final thoughts and rankings. Uh, it was released one year after Iron Man 2 on May 6, 2011, with a runtime of 114 minutes and a budget of $150 million. The box office was $449.3 million. Tony, we'll start with you. Final thoughts, high point, low point, and a ranking 1 to 10. Thor's going to get about a 7, 7.5 to me as far as uh, the ranking goes. It's a much stronger film, and this was a huge upswing for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Definitely one of my more favorite ones to listen to. Great score, by the way. That's another thing. Um, I would much rather listen to the score from this than almost any of the other ones, although Incredible Hulk has an amazing one from Craig Armstrong, too. Uh, are you are you saying you would like to listen to the score from Thor? <laughs> <laughs> that was worse than mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is bad, guys. Real. <laughs> Uh, the favorite and least favorite aspects to this, it's a clear divide. Uh, the things with Jane, Selvig, and Darcy are the worst. And the things that are the best are the Asgard stuff. And that's the total opposite of what I thought was going to end up happening when I went into this movie. I figured Thor on Earth would be fun, but all that stupid Asgardian crap where they're talking about whatever. And, you know, I thought that I'd be bored to tears with that. And instead, that Shakespearean aspect that was brought in through Kenneth Branagh perfect choice and uh choice for the director by the way um that is what's fun about this movie the stuff on earth in new mexico that's where the thing drags and there's a couple fun parts you know i mean i gotta give credit to the whole another smash like that's fun yeah but anything that you're following what jane's doing is a bore anything that you're following what loki's doing or what odin is up to and all that that's the fun stuff so uh, when it comes to Ragnarok, what we're going to get, I'm hoping we get infinitely more Asgardian stuff than we do Earth. If you like it so much, why don't you just move there? <laughs> I might. But I am curious, Eddie, what you think about the Asgardian portrayal versus the Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got everything almost right, except that usually like, um, there are constant orgies going on. So I guess they just had to censor it. Let's start with you, Eddie. Uh, what was your final thoughts, high, low, ranking 1 to 10? Uh, the high point, most of the stuff happening in Asgard, just like Tony said. Uh, and uh, Oh, and Natalie Portman naked. That was really cool. Wait, when did that happen? I think I fell asleep. But you, had to, you, had to, you had to picture it. you you got to work with it. you gotta kinda, you got to work for it. But that was a good point. <laughs> Uh, no, the, most of the Asgard stuff and, uh, the occasional joke here and there, but I, I don't know. I just, I kind of, I almost LOL'd like, it was like a horse, you know, it was like, I was like, huh, that's pretty funny. And, uh, yeah, another smash. Uh, but yeah, the low point was, uh, yeah, the, some of the earth stuff was boring. Like when they're in the town, they're like, I don't know. It seems like. There's a lot of walking around and doing nothing for some reason. Um, also, I can't, I couldn't grasp, like, 
if nobody can pick up the hammer, why not? Why not? Why not just like cut underneath it, so you can at least like I don't know, get like a bulldozer, like I don't know, no, not a bulldozer. What do you call it? Like one of those like caterpillar tractors to lift. I'm sure that there's a way around it. Okay, I'm sure there's a way around it. You don't have to pick up the the hammer on your own, but like it, it seems like it's more like stuck on the rock than anything. So like just you know, cut the rock underneath. Yeah, um, I'll give it a, I don't know, I'll give it a six. Um, it's very schizophrenic in the sense that there's some, there's some great moments and then there's some boring moments, boring as hell. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it didn't seem like it ended very well, but that's just me. Sam, what were your final thoughts? High point, low point, and ranking one to ten. Start with the ranking. I'm going to give this movie a solid 7 out of 10. The good aspects about it, I think, just overshadow the bad enough that I consider this a solid, good movie. Um, the final thoughts of it is going to be the same as my low point, actually. It's not a point in the film in particular. It's just the writing for the slow parts. There's got to be slow parts. You can't just have action, action, action. Transformers has shown us this. When you just have action, you don't have a good movie. So the slow parts are important. And this is an example of what not to do in the slow parts. The dialogue isn't catching me. The characters aren't portraying the dialogue in my mind correctly at all times. When Thor is explaining the world tree to, Nat to Natalie Portman's character, Jane, I don't get that. Like, I, I understand it, but I'm like, it, it's not, I'm not pulled into the movie. I'm kind of jolted out of it a little bit like why is there this sudden slow part like why isn't it here or here jane being a physicist instead of a nurse or a doctor or whatever she was total sense for the movie good good work on their part considering he's an alien and it makes more sense that she's an astrophysicist studying all this stuff um but just like why when they said goodbye to thor in new mexico then they go off, they have a run-in with S.H.I.E.L.D., they're sitting on top of their building after S.H.I.E.L.D. takes all their stuff, they're talking about things, they go to the library, and they're looking up stuff, they find that book on Norse mythology, they look it over for a second, and then Thor, after just leaving them back there, is just now in the pet store looking for something to ride. And they pull up and say, hey, you need a ride? What the hell was Thor doing all that whole time when S.H.I.E.L.D. was with them and when they were talking and when they went to the library? That town is not that big. What was – like that's poor writing. That's you not understanding like what other characters are doing while this is going on. It, it's just that's an example. And then the fight with the Destroyer should have been like the it moment for this film. More so, I think, than the fight with Loki. And, like, the Destroyer was, like, two seconds. It was over. Like, it fought them with a depowered Thor for a little bit. Thor gets his powers. Fight over. And then he goes and fights Loki. Loki should not have been a match for Thor. And I know Thor didn't want to hurt him, didn't want to fight him. I still didn't buy it. I just, it, I didn't buy that. But the Asgard stuff is the high point of this movie still to me will overshadow the bad and I'll give it a solid seven. 
Well, that does it for Thor for us, ladies and gentlemen. Stick around, click the next YouTube link as we head into Captain America, or for you, those of you in Korea, the first Avenger on the For Real Movie Club. Welcome back to the fifth of six videos here on the For Real Movie Club as we do Marvel Phase 1. In this video, we'll be talking about Captain America, the first Avenger. Sam, we'll start with you. What were your initial thoughts on Captain America? My initial thoughts were, I understand why you're making a Captain America movie, but I still don't understand why you're making a Captain America movie. Like, I, some of the promotional images they had, I thought, wow, this is going to be like a World War II documentary, but it just so happens to be Captain America. I didn't exactly get that. This is a good movie. I actually like this movie more than Thor overall, but... I felt disjointed a little bit between what I thought I was going to get and what I actually got. So those were just my initial reactions. Eddie, what was your initial reactions on Captain America? Uh, yeah, I remember when this first came out, uh, a couple of friends of mine went to go watch it. They're like, hey, you want to go watch it? I was like, no. Because I'm like, who gives a damn, you know? So maybe a year later, I just I got kind of curious. I was like, you know what? I heard a lot of good stuff about this movie, so I'll just watch it. And I did, and dude, it was really cool. Uh, there's something about the, I don't know, there's something that appeals to me in the 1940s, and, and the fact that you put in a superhero in that time frame is just, it's, it's, it, it makes me, it makes me believe it a little more. I don't know, it's just there's, there's something like, wow, you know, this could have happened maybe in a certain way. Uh, I didn't go overboard with the whole science aspect again, once again. Um, but, you know, I like, I like that mythology. You know, there's, there's still a lot of mysteries there regarding the Nazis, that they had their own religion and that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to explore that kind of, um, that kind of lore, if you will. I, I like it overall. Tony, what were your initial thoughts on Captain America? First Avenger is nowhere near as good as Winter Soldier. There's a complete, total opposite, you know, polar uh, change between the two of them. There's some flaws behind it, and it's kind of the same as Incredible Hulk, where they had a lot of good ideas, but they had some poor execution of those ideas, and that ends up making this nowhere near as good as it should have been. But... It's an entertaining enough movie that you can sit through and you can watch it and you can have fun and whatever. When you start analyzing it, that's when you come across problems. And uh, we'll get into some of those a little bit later. But in general, Captain America is a movie that could have failed miserably and it didn't. Sam, what were your thoughts on the casting for Captain America First Avenger? Um, I was a little surprised when I heard the Human Torch was going to be Captain America. But... Having seen the movie and the sequels and Avengers, I love Chris Evans as Captain America. I think he was a great casting. I'm sure you could have found another actor who would have been just as good, maybe even better. But I think for what they gave us, great casting. Uh, Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, another great casting choice. I don't know if Tommy Lee Jones was right for Phillips. I just felt like I was watching Tommy Lee Jones, which wasn't a bad thing. I love Tommy Lee Jones. But he was more or less playing himself in the 40s than actually playing 
what I thought would have been Colonel Phillips. Um, Sebastian Stan was a really good choice, if not for this movie, for them having the foresight to have him as the Winter Soldier. And the rest of the Howling Commandos, I mean, Dugan looked really cool. I honestly couldn't care less about the other ones, but Dugan was really cool. And uh, Howard Stark, seeing a young Howard, seeing how he compares to his son 70 years from now, getting to see, like, you can see the man that he is and the man that he will be having known Steve Rogers. It's not going to make him a good father by any means, but it's going to, I think this movie showed us where Howard's sense of purpose came from having just been like another inventor to the captain of industry that he ended up becoming. And I, I can't end this without mentioning um, Red Skull. I'm so sorry that we don't get to see him anymore. It was a great portrayal. I'm sorry that the makeup hurt the guy so much and made it so uncomfortable that he never wanted to do it again. But, oh my God. I, I Good villain with a true sense of danger to our hero, which we didn't get with like Iron Man 2. Like this actually felt like Rogers could lose, and in a way he does, and that's why I really like this movie. Eddie, what were your thoughts on the casting? Uh, yeah, same as Sam, and I guess same as anyone else. I was like, what the hell? Isn't that guy the Human Torch? But I mean, you kind of you you quickly forget that because I mean, he the first thing you see is like, first of all, awesome job and um in uh, VFX because you see the skinny little dweeb like like wow and you know I thought it was like oh man did he do that whole like Christian Bale thing where he like he'll, he drops like 60 pounds for a roll and then he bulked up all of a sudden but no 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 it's just VFX and um, and he, he pulled it off I mean he acts like this like he wants to you know he, he's proud he wants to serve his country and that whole kind of mentality that was going on back then and but at the same time he's like this you know he becomes captain america super strong and bulky and everything and yet he's never even kissed a girl and you can see that when he's awkward waiting for uh he can talk to uh, howard stark and then uh, what's that girl's name she's really hot she plays she plays um uh who'd she play in game of thrones um, oh you're talking about the blonde girl yeah 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 natalie yeah Dwayne. i'm not yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Natalie Dormer. I was like, oh yeah, she was in that movie. I forgot. And I, like, like he's just like, oh no, like I just, I, I have to talk to. Yeah, I'm just gonna wait here. And he's all awkward. And I was like, that's that's good. You know, it's giving the character like three dimensions. Like, three dimensions. Uh, as far as the rest, yeah, uh, there's just something that I thought was kind of weird. People didn't really talk a modern English back in the 40s it was a lot it seems like every time i see some sort of recording from back then uh, people used to speak you know i don't know what it was a more urgent matter like hey there i thought tommy lee jones is really swell as colonel chester phillips you know like it, it, people used to talk like that one way or another and i didn't really i, I don't i don't think they tried very hard with the with people's speeches maybe not to alienate anyone um, 
But yeah, I mean, because I'm sure Tommy Lee Jones could have, and the other actress could have handled that kind of talking. But uh, because of that, I just I was like, ah, Tommy Lee Jones is weak. Uh, okay, Haley Atwell's played a British, so that's fine. Sebastian Stan was fine. Dominic Cooper was great. I think he kind of kept that kind of like cool, like 1940s kind of swing going on. And uh, honorable mention to Hugo Weaving, because yeah, like he was just he like he demanded attention. He was like, my character is on screen, and my mere presence is gonna fuck your self esteem up. You know, like, well, this guy, you know, he he deserves a lot more than just being the bad guy. It's like, yeah, apparently we, we won't see him anymore. From what you guys told me, I didn't even know that. I was like, well, maybe they'll, they'll resurrect him or something, but no. Um, he was totally awesome. Totally awesome. And um, it's probably, you know what? I think it's, I've seen him in a few movies uh, about Matrix, uh, Lord of the Rings stuff, but this is definitely the best. That's it. So, uh, next question for, uh, before we go into the next question, I got a few facts for everybody here. Uh, it was released shortly after Thor on July 22nd, 2011, with a runtime of 124 minutes. Uh, the budget was $140 million, and the box office brought in 370.6. So when it comes to Captain America, we're going to go around the board real quick. Final thoughts, high point, low point, and ranking 1 to 10. Tony, we'll start with you. The bad parts about this film are the fact that they had to rush too many things, uh, the romance between Peggy and Steve is just not as much there as what you would expect it to be. They really kind of just act like it is. I never felt that way. I don't see too much of a genuine love between the two. It's more so a couple of scenes of awkward flirtation, and that's it. So this strong bond, I never see it. And the same thing kind of happens with Red Skull and Captain America. Yeah, they've got the two of them going against each other, and they're clearly enemies and everything but there's no strong foundation for a feud between the two that's my issue with this film uh by the way quick side thing about the casting the everybody could have been um everybody was perfect for this role except for i think they could have gotten somebody better for peggy and i think that there's a better captain america out there despite how great chris evans is um there's no like robert downey jr is Iron Man. Chris Hemsworth is Thor. Chris Evans is a good Captain America. He isn't the embodiment of it. So, um, but you know, as much of a rush job as different parts of this movie is, uh, and that's the, the flaw of this whole thing, it's another situation where it's a fun film to watch in the grand scope of everything because you have lots of references to different things that are going to be paid off really well you know the crown jewel in odin's chamber ah odin he mentioned thor like you know that kind of stuff is amazing uh favorite parts of course i liked the end scene because that was the setup for everything and that was a great way to just go right into now we're gonna skip all the freezing stuff we're gonna go right into cap is in the modern era and I loved how he just ended it with, I had a date. Even though that doesn't have a strong love story behind it, that was a good nod to it. 
and overall I'd have to go with this about like a six and a half. This is not, again, one of the stronger movies to watch uh, if, if you're comparing it to Iron Man as sort of the benchmark, but it's above something like an Iron Man 2 or an Incredible Hulk in some ways, lower than something like a Thor in different ways. You know, if somebody really, really loves this movie, I can see why. If somebody has a problem with it, I can see why too. Eddie, what were your final thoughts? High point, low point, and a ranking 1 to 10. Uh, I dug the movie. I just, I wish there... Maybe they should have made it a little longer because, I mean, uh, I enjoyed the whole journey of, you know, of Steve Rogers being this kind of outcast. And he, I mean, he's so frail that he ends up being some outcast. I mean, all his friends and all his buddies, every guy he knows is off fighting the war. And he wants to help, and then you know you see you see, you see him accidentally become this hero, and it's uh, it, it's kind of hilarious. I mean, he's kind of lost. Like, hey, what do I do? Where do I go? And he's just he he just turns into the circus monkey. And uh, but at the same time, you see how that works in the 1940s. I mean, the pure propaganda back then. You know, buy the war bonds. You know, and then you will watch this you know show with Captain America punching out Hitler, and it's. You know, there was there's a lot you know, there was a lot of that going on back then. It was it was an interesting portrayal of the period, quite kind of accurate actually. Um, and then all of a sudden, I got bored by the action scenes. I don't know why. I just it, I I didn't care at all for any of the explosions, the fighting, the laser guns, whatever they were. I didn't care at all. Um, but otherwise, I don't know. I'll see the high point. I, I I think Captain America himself. I mean, I think Steve. I think uh, Chris Evans was great. Uh, otherwise, and I, I like the I like the the whole like the that rugged technology. You know, the his suit compared. You know, from the nineteen forties uh, to the new one. I love the that whole like um, contrast. And then low point, yeah, the action scenes didn't do it for me, even when the Red Skull was involved. As great in medicine as he was, and I don't know, I didn't care for the action. Um, I'll give the movie a seven. It is entertaining, and I did like it overall. Um, a little more than Thor. So there you have it. Sam, what were your high point, low point, final thoughts, and ranking one to ten? High point of the movie is probably going to be the fight between him and Red Skull on the big, I want to say helicarrier, but just the, the big ship at the end. The fight, the not even banter, but like the real, you can see the war of ideology in that final fight where you, the Red Skull says, you think you fight a war of nations and stuff like that. Like, it, it's it's more than that to the Red Skull. To Steve, this is just America fighting for the good fight, standing up for the little guy. And to the Red Skull, he just, he sees everything. He knows so much more. And that, the embodiment of the movie to me will be in that final scene. The low point for me, is the montage actually the 
the point of this movie, I felt, what you should have seen, they put in a 30-second to a minute montage of him and the Howling Commandos fighting off Hydra. The whole point. Everything about Captain America fighting Hydra was brushed away real quick to show you a love story that was a little disjointed, to show you him interacting with a character here and there. I, I think you could have cut away and trimmed the fat a little bit to stretch out him and the commanders. Uh, my final thoughts just being this was a really good introduction to Captain America. It was good to show us where things for Iron Man came from, where things for Thor came from, where we're going to see Steve go in his journey from that final scene. You know that he's going to be the man out of time now, where it, you no longer are going to know who the good guys and who the bad guys are. And it made it all the more interesting to see his character develop later on. I like this movie more than Thor, so since I gave Thor a 7 out of 10, I'm going to give this a 7.5 out of 10. Well, there you have it, folks. That's Captain America. And I recognize the council has made a decision, but given that it was a stupid-ass decision, I've elected to ignore it, then we only do four films. Moving on to the sixth and final film, we'll be going to The Avengers. So click to the next YouTube video, sit back, enjoy, and we're on our way in the Four Real Movie Club. Welcome to the final video here of this month's For Real Movie Club where we cover Marvel's Phase 1. And what better way to end the movie, uh, the Phase 1 recap, than with Avengers itself. The four-year culmination. Tony, what did you think on your initial thoughts on the Avengers? Oh my fucking god, it's the Avengers. Ah! <laughs> Thanks for joining us Ooh. on the For Real Movie Club. That sums it up. <laughs> That basically does. I mean, I was so fucking pumped to see this. You and I and a bunch of other friends of ours, we went to see the um, the big marathon at AMC Theaters that there was going on at that time. So we went out of our way to go there at, you know, like 10 in the morning and stay until 1 in the morning. And for a guy that doesn't sleep, like myself, eh, that's nothing. But it was so cool to just be able to watch all these in a row and go right into Avengers and you know, see these characters that I either had been a big fan of going into it or had grown an, an appreciation for to just go, man, we get to see Iron Man and Hulk and Thor and Captain America and, and Hawkeye and whatever. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> and Selvig, fuck you. Um, <laughs> but this was an epic thing for movies. Now you can see that this has had some kind of a backlash in certain ways because now everybody thinks that they should have a cinematic universe. They're talking about having a Transformers universe, which is fucking ridiculous. Just Ghostbusters. do different. Yeah, Ghostbusters don't need a fucking cinematic universe. They don't even need a third film, let alone, <laughs> you know, spin-off things and stuff. But and this is something that will never be replicated again. Uh, Marvel took an idea that everybody thought was so out there and so impossible to do, and they fucking did it. And not only did they do it, they did it so damn well that this shattered so many different records. And it's going to go down as one of the most influential film series of all time. Sam, what was your initial thoughts on Avengers? Similar to Tony, my initial thoughts were, oh my god, the Avengers, I've been waiting for this forever, and it's a big, like, orgasm 
on screen. Final thoughts, I'll be honest, are a little different than my initial, but my initial were like, yes, just keep bringing it. And I would just note for my initial reactions, everybody likes to think that, oh, in retrospect, I totally knew. Or like, oh, yeah, that was obvious. Or, oh, how did you not know that? But let's face it, no matter how many people were in that movie theater, there were only six people that probably knew who Thanos was. And I and the rest of the movie-going audience, as much as I love comics, I had to turn to Tony and went, was that like Galactus? Like, who was that? (laughs) So let's all remember there is a time before we know who these people are. And you know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) You know who you are listening to this if you knew who that was or not. Eddie, what was your initial thoughts on the film? Uh, this is the first one that I actually went to see in the movie theater. Out of all these, you know, from Iron Man onwards, this is the only one that I actually decided to watch in the movie theater because I think I had just seen Captain America. Yeah, yeah. I just watched Captain America and I was like, oh, okay, so this is going on in the movie theater right now. I think it was a coincidence. Um, maybe I was inspired by the Avengers coming out to watch Captain America back then. I don't remember. But, um, yeah, I got excited about it. I was like, oh, let me go watch it. And I don't remember, like, mo- like most movies I watch in the movie theater, they're action based or something. I don't, like, it, it's, it, it got me, it caught my attention, and I loved everything about it visually. And, oh, man, that's awesome. There's Iron Man, there's Tony Stark, you know, and then there's Thor being all like, how dare you speak to me, 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 the son of Odin, you know? Like, and then Steve Rogers, like, with this list, like, okay, like, research, like, Nirvana and whatever else and whatever else. Which is funny, like, uh, in different countries, I don't know if you guys knew this, but in different countries, they had, like, uh, they filmed several different pads in his hand where he's writing things that are culturally relevant to that, to wherever that movie's released. Like, in Brazil, we have, like, four different things that you guys have no idea what, what you were talking about. But then there's also, like, Star Trek, uh, Nirvana, and whatever else. Well, that, that was uh, Phase 2. Shit, what? No, hang on. Really? Yeah, that was uh, Winter Soldier, not the Avengers. Oh, yeah! Shit! Sorry. My bad. <laughs> I flunked, right? Damn it. My favorite part was with Superman. <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, going on, and then Optimus Prime is really cool in it too. <laughs> no, no, for real. Okay, I dug the movie. That's what I wanted to say. And uh, yeah, except for I, I, I'm not sure. Oh, the casting. We'll talk about the casting. Well, that's a, a kind of the thing. I don't know. If we want to go into casting a whole bunch because that'd be beating a dead horse. Considering the only new member to this cast is Mark Ruffalo. Nope. There's another. No, no. Hang on, hang on. No, there is another. <laughs> <laughs> When I saw her, I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. Like, Oh, I Maria Hill, her. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, Mulder, yeah, Robin. So, all right, let's talk about Eddie. Uh, what did you think of Maria Hill and the new Hulk being added? Uh, yeah, I, I don't like when they replace actors. I think it's either a sl- something sloppy went on in the logistical... When they were organizing, uh, I don't know, like time, schedules, casting, whatever, because I'm sure Edward Norton was working on some other movie. But at the same time, it's, I have nothing against uh, Mark Ruffalo. I thought it was all right. Uh, and Colby's Mulders, I was like, 
you know, there's that whole, it, it's kind of true that there's a typecast kind of problem with actors. Sometimes you see an actor and you can only think of one role. And I expected like the, the narrator to go like, so kids, your mother turns out was actually a genius engineer. <laughs> Back, you know, I expected to hear Ted Mosby talking. Uh, it was just, it was totally out of place. Uh, apart from that, I was so glad that there was no, apart from the Hulk, uh, Dr. Banner, there was no bullshit like, oh, we're going to get this actor or that actor, or, oh, we have to cut out this hero because whatever. Though I do wonder, where's Spider-Man in New York City? You know what I mean? <laughs> he's, I'll uh, leave it at he's eating strawberries. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Tony, what were your thoughts of Ruffalo and uh, Smolders joining the cast? Ruffalo is too old. He's too charming. He's too good-looking. Not to say that Edward Norton's ugly or anything. And he's too funny to be Bruce Banner. Yeah, his Hulk is better, but that's more on the animators and everything. Um, they needed to go with somebody who was more of a dork. And... I had heard a rumor beforehand that they were going to recast and that the main person that they were going to cast was going to be David Duchovny. I was actually totally on board with that, even though he's around that same age uh, age bracket. Oh, oh, a little, let me just, a little addendum to that, what you just said. Wizard, I swear I remember this. There was a Wizard issue in 1986 where they actually, they actually said uh, David Duchovny would be a perfect Bruce Banner. He would have been, I think. And uh, especially when he was younger. Yeah, I think he would have been an amazing Bruce Banner. I'm still not sold on Mark Ruffalo. I think everybody gives him too much credit because the Avengers was cool and the Hulk was better in the movie. He shouldn't get credit for the Hulk. He should get credit for what he does for Banner. Uh, for Kobe Smulders, though, she did a lot better than I thought she was going to because I had only really known her from How I Met Your Mother and being a big fan of that, Robin was just an odd choice. Like, they're going to go... Robin's gonna be Maria Hill. Okay, fine. Uh, you know, well, let's see. But she did a lot better than I had expected. She pulled it off, and she's even better now that she's had some more time to grow into the character. In Agents of Shield, she's shown off a lot better um, use of the character than she did in Avengers, and I'm looking forward to what she's gonna do in uh, Age of Ultron. There's actually one other thing um, about casting that I want to mention. It's not a new character, but it's something that's really pivotal in the movie. When they had originally cast Clark Gregg in Iron Man, he wasn't supposed to be the glue that held the universe together. They just liked him so much that they kept bringing him back. That's why his character is just some no-name, nothing character. He's not, you know, Clay Quarterman or uh, Quartermain, not Quarterman, um, Clay Quarterback. Uh, you know, he's not somebody from the comics. He's just some guy that they were just like, oh, it'd be kind of fun to throw a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in there. Let's get Clark Gregg in there and whatever. And he ended up becoming such a pivotal part of this that he's the reason why the Avengers come together. And then he's the reason why they have a TV show now. So it goes to show you, if you cast the right person, even if the character doesn't exist, it could become an important character. Uh, Sam, what were your thoughts on the addition of Ruffalo, Smolders, and if you wanted to touch base on... Easy, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> what? What happened? 
<laughs> there was just some noise from your mic. No, I'm getting uh, radio static in my headphones. It sucks. Oh, well, okay. That's it's not even static. I hear like some crap going on. Sorry, it's, my bad. It's okay. the council. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And Dace, you were saying um, about Clark Gregg? Well, Clark uh, and then the addition of Ruffalo and Smulders. All right. I, I won't say much on Clark Gregg. Uh, he's awesome. Agent Coulson, he became the glue and he died and then he didn't really die because now in the Marvel movies, just like in the comics, nobody ever dies. But um, I never saw um, How I Met Your Mother. So seeing her play Maria Hill, the only complaint that I had is that she's way too – and not even like – I see it more in the other movies more than the Avengers. She's too friendly. She's too nice. Maria Hill is a she's a real bitch. She hates Tony. In the Civil War storyline, she basically was going to force Captain America to go hunt the other heroes. So that's why he turned on them. Like she should be like a real authoritative you're going to listen to me or I'm going to kill you kind of a person. And I don't get that from Cody Smulders at all. I, I get that she's like one of the team. And unless something dramatic happens and that changes, for right now, she's just okay. Yeah, um, so she says, damn you, Patrice! <laughs> I didn't understand that reference. Anyway, um, Mark Ruffalo, I'm going to say this about the Don Cheadle casting in Iron Man 2. I could picture Terrence Howard delivering those lines. The way Don Cheadle portrayed the character the way he brought it to life and fleshed him out, I could have inserted Terrence Howard into that role and I could have still seen it work. I can't see Edward Norton anywhere in this banner. They're almost like two different people. As far as him being like funny, I don't think it's so much that he's too funny. I think they're portraying properly that when you're so disconnected from other people and you're so by yourself, you almost need to be a little funny before you just completely go insane. And you see, like, he sees the other S.H.I.E.L.D. agents on the helicarrier, and he kind of just looks down and kind of walks away. Like, I'm not going to get involved, not going to make eye contact. Hey, I'll make a little bit of a joke, but okay, now you guys stop paying attention to me, please. I, I got that but I can't put Edward Norton's banner in that role with those lines and that execution and still see it making sense. And I think that's where Mark Ruffalo causes a problem for him. He's a good banner for what they need Bruce Banner to be, but Edward Norton is still my favorite Bruce Banner because I feel like he portrayed the character properly. And then... Um, yeah, now that's really all I gotta say on it. it. Otherwise, I'm gonna make it sound like I hate Mark Ruffalo, and I really don't. I, I I'm fine with the character, and I'm looking forward to Age of Ultron. Editor's note: Right after this, Sam just went on a rampage of how much he fucking hates Ruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to this film, it let's give a little bit of facts before we roll into uh, the next part of it. Uh, it was released May fourth, two thousand twelve nearly four years after the original Iron Man was released. It's uh, 143 minutes, a budget of $220 million, and I would say it, you know, it's kind of successful. It brought in 
1.8 billion dollars. <laughs> I've seen better. <laughs> just, just a little bit of a successful. No need to get a big ego on that one. It's twice as good as Call of Duty. <laughs> so I got I got to ask and this is probably a no-brainer. Tony, was the build up worth the wait? 100%. And I feel like the same thing is going to happen with Age of Ultron. I feel like the same thing is going to happen with Infinity War. They know what they're doing. They're kicking ass. Sam, worth the wait? Uh, definitely. 99% worth the wait. The other 1% is what I said earlier, where my initial thoughts and my final thoughts have changed. Because once I stepped back and I rubbed the stars out of my eyes and my pulse slowed down a little bit, I realized that there's some problems with this movie. And honestly, not very much happened. So if you want me to go into like highs and lows a little later on, then I'll, I'll get into that. Yep. We'll definitely hit that point. Eddie, was it worth, was it worth the wait? Well, I mean, uh, I, I, this is the movie that really got me into the Marvel cinematic universe because I was watching one and then another and I was like, oh, the movies are pretty cool. You know, some of them great, some of them are not so good. And then when I saw this, I was like, Oh, this really does tie well together because I mean, I don't think a, a lot of fans of um, you know this geeky stuff, you know, be it video games or comics or whatever, it's really rare that uh, a big corporation like uh, Disney, Marvel, whatever, um, would take care of the, the the mythology like this that they would do something so elaborate that they would bring all these movies together and they actually make sense and be work. That's where I said, well, this is really cool because the, I don't think it's ever been pulled off on this scale to get all these actors together. And I'm, I mean, some of the actors are really respectable. Scarlett Johansson has done some great stuff. Uh, Edward, they got Edward Norton to be the Hulk, which is, wow, Edward Norton. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't just the money. I mean, I know he's a, he, I found out he's a Hulk fan. Um, who else is worthy of mention? Um, well, there are several, but we're not going to go over the cast again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this movie totally, I'm sure it's, it's absolutely worth the wait for uh, huge fans. Um, and I'm pretty sure that if I had understood what was happening, I would have been totally psyched to wait for this movie. So we'll stick with you, Eddie. Final thoughts, high, low point, and a rating 1 to 10. Well, this is easy. Like, the high point is, like, like I just described, like, they got all these people together, and they kept the consistency. You know, they got Robert Downey Jr. for this amount of movies. They have Scarlett Johansson for these amount of movies. They had, uh, okay, but apart from the Mark Ruffalo thing, which is a forgivable flu. Uh, they had all these other people, you know, so it's like, Chris Hemsworth, uh, Loki, everybody else, uh, Steve Rogers, this, the same Captain America. It's like, wow, it all came together. Amazing. I thought it was great. Um, and that's also kind of the low point. Like, sometimes if it's like, this just, you can't fit that many people in one movie and expect the movie to be great. Like, wow, it's got a story. It's got a, it's got a high point. It's got a, it's got a part where the, the, the main character is going through a, you know, a, a turmoil and they, but they, they turn around. It's, it, I don't, I don't think it, 
fit, it really fit in a movie. It could have been. It had it had to be a lot longer. Uh, how long is the movie? The movie is uh, 143 minutes. I mean, sure, it's a little over two hours, but maybe. I mean, maybe th- why not make it three hours? I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just sometimes it's overwhelming. You, I mean, you, you got Iron Man doing one thing, and then it's like all of a sudden, oh, we Captain America's here talking to someone, and then you just quit, keep switching back and forth, and then the, then you're you're in, you're in the fight already. You know, at the end where New York City is being destroyed, and it's like, okay, it's a, it's a lot of stuff, and I just I feel like it could have been better executed. Uh, my score for this would be a seven. For that reason, I'd love to give it like an eight or a nine, even, but um, I'll give it a seven. It's definitely a cool movie, entertaining, and just um, could have been a little better in some writing aspects or screenplay, maybe. I don't know. Sam, what were your final thoughts? High point, low point, and rating one to ten. Final thoughts are really quick. It it was the culmination of everything I had been waiting for since I saw Nick Fury go to Tony at the end of Iron Man. It was what I've been waiting for. It was what every movie was building up to. It was just the nerdgasm we all wanted. Uh, The high point of the film is the Battle of New York. It was not a throwaway like the Iron Man 2 fight where it felt short. It was a good chunk of the movie, and we actually saw a lot of fighting. Uh, We saw every character in some regard have a good sequence in that fight. We got to see a good stretch of their powers. Low point, it's not that there's one definitive low for me, because the movie to me is very good. But it would somewhere be a three-way tie between uh, the very beginning with S.H.I.E.L.D. and the car chase and all that felt like it was unnecessary. Uh, the helicarrier, they spent way too much time on it. It dragged the movie. I felt like you could have done something else in there that still could have gotten the point across. And the third one for me, it, it's the, it's, it would have been better if they did this in Age of Ultron because it would have made a lot more sense. And now if they do it, it's going to be a total cop-out. It made no sense to me that the mothership would have been destroyed and living organic breathing beings would just all pass out and die in way more sense for ultron if he's destroyed his army collapses no sense at all to me that this happened it felt like it felt like whedon was writing this and he's like crap but after that's destroyed they still gotta fight these aliens editor's note they all die. That's just how it felt to me. And the, one of the better parts of the movie, though, was, un, unlike what uh, Eddie said, I felt that every character had their shining moment, with the exception of Hawkeye. I felt that in order to give every character a shining moment, Hawkeye needed to be sacrificed. And I, I didn't really like that. Which now they said he's going to have a bigger role in the second one which might even hurt the movie. I I don't know. But now I feel like I'm going to get too much Hawkeye because I got not enough Hawkeye. So that would be my high and low. And then out of 10, I'm going to give this movie a very solid 9. 
Not Iron Man level to me, 9.5. But, I mean, a 9 out of 10. Very few movies in history get that close for me to be that good. Tony, final thoughts? High point, low point, and ranking 1 to 10. Low point is Selvig. Fuck you. You don't deserve to be in this movie. This movie is about being awesome, and you're not awesome. You suck. So that whole thing with him, the, the cube showed me things or whatever. Just get stabbed and die already, you old piece of shit. Uh, favorite scene, definitely Jeez. the whole end battle. That is just amazing. You know, you could see films like The Avengers, uh, and you can compare it to something like X-Men and go, well, they already had a big team up before. No, you didn't. You saw the X-Men go off on their own little tangents, and it was like Storm against Toad. Well, you know, I don't give a shit about that. And in this movie, you got to see an actual cohesion like you would see in the comic books. You know, Captain America is directing traffic to not only the Avengers, but also the police. That's something that is really important to showing just how you can take a comic book and you can bring life into it on the big screen. If not the whole end battle for the favorite part, it would have to be Thanos. Because to me, even as somebody who didn't know and still doesn't know everything about Thanos. You know, I can't even remember, uh, like, what... His son son's name's Thane, right? Something like that. Yeah, that alone is, like, I'm trying to remember if his son is Thane and stuff. But little aspects like that and stuff, I still knew just how big Thanos is and what that meant for the future. Because they had the Tesseract, but they never referred to it as an Infinity Stone. And then, bam, there's Thanos. Now you're telling me we're going to get Infinity Gauntlet in the future. Oh, hell's going to break loose. You built up to Avengers, and if they would have just, you know, continued with other films and not done another Avengers film, I think a lot of people probably still would have been happy about it. But right then, that's where you hit me with, we can continue, we can make this bigger, better, and we can still ride the wave and keep going higher and higher. That is just amazing. This movie has flaws you know it's not the best written film of all time it's certainly got some plot holes and different things like how are they all communicating to each other without having earpieces in <laughs> that's an issue uh but for all its flaws this movie was meant to be just an epic awesome fun thrill ride and it pulls it off nine out of ten amazing i think i got everybody right uh seems like it Sweet. I can go again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does it for us for this month's Four Real Movie Club, and that was Avengers. Look forward to next month's Four Real Movie Club, where we continue on to Phase 2, where we'll go over uh, Iron Man 3, Thor 2, Cap 2, and Guardians of the Galaxy, leading to a Fanboys Anonymous review point of Age of Ultron. Yay! Ooh. So... Like we do on all podcasts, let's go around the circle, see what everybody's up to. Tony, we'll start with you. All right, guys, if you're a fan of the wrestling side of things for the A-Mango Tree Branches, then you're going to want to go to smartoutmoment.com where you can listen to our podcast of the Smack Talk Show, the Monday Night Raw Post Show, and, of course, read all the articles and everything else like that. And uh, check out everything coming your way from fanboysanonymous.com. Not only the other podcasts that we have, but the articles as well. Uh all talk show is something else that you can find, which that's all craziness breaks loose sometimes on Tuesday nights, sometimes uh, other times throughout the week. It all depends. So 
go to facebook.com slash alltalkshow to find out when we're going to do a live episode. All that stuff you can find on youtube.com slash smartgoutmoment slash fanboysanonymous and slash alltalkshow. And if you are a part of the convention scene coming up anytime soon over the next couple of months, Fanboys Anonymous is going to try to get as much of a presence as possible. So if you are going to anything like Wizard World Philadelphia, Atlantic City Boardwalk Con, Too Many Games Convention, New York Comic Con, and all that, we're going to try to go to all these. So pay attention to what's going on with that. FanboysAnonymous.com, A Mango Tree, and all that other kind of stuff. A million links that you can find. Just go looking, you'll find a lot of them. Sam, what you got going on? You can catch me writing for fanboysanonymous.com, and if you love the science side of superheroes, I'm going to try to start doing my own little thing where I start delving into how scientifically accurate things are, along with a channel for YouTube I got going on that I'm trying to get risen up for a while now, uh, Science 101. That's not going to be superhero-related. That's just going to be me helping you guys out, out there you got science courses. If you've never taken a science course, you just kind of want to learn a little bit. Like, hey, quantum physics, what the hell is that? Then check out Science 101 on YouTube. Eddie, what you got going on? Uh, with Fanboys Anonymous, I have an article that I'm finishing up on. Uh, I'm reviewing and again, comparing Ender's Game, the book and the film. Uh, and in a couple of days... Uh, there's going to be a new Hearthstone Warcraft Adventures release. That's Blackrock Mountain. So I'm totally going to be reviewing that, and it's going to be releasing um, every week. So April 2nd is the first day, and uh, one week after that for, four, uh, for five weeks, I believe. Um, other than that, I have a bunch of bands, and I'm just doing stuff. Rock and roll. Some That's November. right. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you guys for joining us tonight. As always, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at the Man. Check out the Man show Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern on Mega Powers Radio. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I got to jump off so I can go catch the latest Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in this build to Age of Ultron. So, thank you guys for checking out the 4 Real Movie Club this week, and keep on checking out movies. At no point... In your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? I'm too old for this. Good day, sir! You stay classy, San Diego. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm finished. That'll do, people. That'll go. Hasta la vista, baby. Hey, everybody! We're all gonna get late! You're still here? It's over. Go home.